Warning, the following podcast may feature an inordinate amount of puns, quotes, and silliness regarding the movie discussed. No attempt should be made to take it seriously. Bow wheat grana wheat ninny bong. Welcome to another episode of the Silver Screen Podcast. And that's right, you lucky people. This week we're diving into another cult classic. Hot off the trails of last week's Donnie Darko, we're now changing gears into another altogether more familiar form, but no less of a renowned movie. As Transformers Rise of the Beast swings into cinemas over the next week or so, we here at Silver Screen thought we'd take a look at a previous cinematic outing. However, being the generous guys we are, we thought it'd be unfair for us to choose which of the many Transformers movies out there we're going to look at. And so a couple of months ago, we held an online vote for our listeners on our social media pages. <laughs> One show and with an overwhelming majority, the entry that was decided on to represent the franchise was, drumroll, the original 1986 classic, Transformers the Movie, and it wasn't even close. So strap yourselves in, as for the next hour or so, as we really do dare to be stupid with a bumper episode for this legendary piece of animation. And that's right, we've got chat, we've got fun, and we also have an interview with legendary Blur voice actor John Mushita Jr. So please stick around, and if you're a Transformers fan, settle in. I'm DK Prime. Mike has once again passed me the matrix of uh, hosting. But speaking of, joining me today on this crash landing into the past is none other than my usual frenemy. He's a host, he's a guest, he's an all-round nerd. That's right, he's a triple changer. And no <laughs> one calls him on Crassomatic. Microtron, is that you? Here's a hint. <laughs> yeah, it's me. <laughs> How are you doing today, fella? What's shaking other than this podcast? Oh, weep, grana, weep, ninny bong. I, I, I wasn't sure if you were going to say it, but I'm glad you did. But yes, I, I'm here. I am beyond good, beyond evil, beyond your wildest imagination. But I'm here. So <laughs> forward to this. <laughs> so, so, same old, same old, really. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> now, Nobody summons me anyway, DK. You summon me. Nobody summons Micatron. <laughs> then it pleases me to be the first. <laughs> yeah, also joining us today, not only for his very first cult classic, but for his very first silver screen ever. It's action figure photographer and Transformers aficionado, Adrian, also known as Ado Magnus. Uh -oh. um, you know, no comments about part, you know, things from my body being placed in his own. Uh, <laughs> how are you doing today, fella? But no, great Winniebog. I am not too bad, my friend. Not too bad at all. It's great to be here. Not at all. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? What do you get up to in your spare time? Well, up until uh, last year, I was a full-time carer for my mum. Uh, sadly, she passed away. Uh, but before that, I was um, actually worked on the fringes of the uh, the film and TV industry, uh, making props and also involved in wardrobe. Nice one. Nice one. Now, as regular listeners will know, it's become somewhat of a tradition on cult classics. We always ask their guests for their favourite cult movie. So, Adrian, just off the top of your head, I'm going to pin you down and ask, if you've got to name one, 
what is your favourite cult movie? My favourite cult movie, crikey. Um, I've, I've got to confess here that uh, Aidan and I have known each other for quite some time, and like me, this guy's viewed some truly horrendous garbage over the years. Oh, absolutely. Ones. We, we, we've exchanged various piles of garbage to each other, haven't we, over the years? Yeah, and, yeah. And I'm still not forgiving you for that Fairwolf movie. Right? <laughs> but go on, what's your favourite cult movie? Uh, to be honest, at the moment, it's got to be John Carpenter's The Thing. That That's the one that springs to mind straight away. Um, yes, I had a friend who just bought the 4K version, and to see it in 4K was absolutely stunning. So, yeah. We have covered that, haven't we, Mike? Uh, we did, yeah. Last year. So, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll chuck a link in for that. But, uh, I mean, I've got to admit, uh, we're getting quite the little eclectic list of choices from our guests over these episodes, yeah. Mike. We should put together a, uh, a list just so that anyone that looks at the letterbox can just for themselves just how weird this little family is. That's a good point, actually. Yeah, good idea. Cult, uh, cult classic choices, yeah. Nice well, my, my friends call me the Yorkshire geek, so there you go. So there you go. So, so. <laughs> well, I did move away, mate, so... Yeah. Well, that's it. Well, I did spend <laughs> the first 10 years of my life in Nottingham, but uh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, uh, yep. Obviously, today we're going to be looking at uh, Transformers the movie. Now, extension of the TV show that began broadcasting in 1984, the movie was conceived as a commercial tie-in to promote the upcoming 86 line of toys from Hasbro. The initial budget was $6 million, six times greater than it would have taken to produce a 90-minute equivalent of the TV show. It was so important that Toy Animation Vice President Kozo Morishita spent one year in the United States during production supervising the art direction and insisting the Transformers be given several layers of shading and shadows for a dynamic and detailed appearance. Now, the movie was released in August 1986 in the US and December 1986 in the UK to oh, yeah. mostly negative reactions from critics who lambasted its uneven tone, especially for the amount of violence seen in what is essentially a children's toy commercial. Now, unlike the TV series that featured no death, the movie was intended as a way to refresh the main cast and make new figures more popular to children. Until this point, the writers had deliberately assigned identities to the characters to associate with, and killing them off would prove a gamble. Hasbro underestimated the extent to which a certain character's death would shock an audience and brought about a backlash. Story consultant Flint Dill recalls, We didn't know that Optimus Prime was an icon. It was a toy show. We just thought we were killing off the old product line to replace it with new products. Kids were crying in theatres. We heard about people leaving the movie. We were getting a lot of nasty notes about it. There was some kid who locked himself in his bedroom for two straight weeks. Now, it was also the final film role of legend Orson Welles and has, on numerous occasions, been used to poke fun at Welles' career later in life. Shin stated that Welles had originally been pleased to accept the role after reading the script and had expressed an admiration for animated films. Shortly before his death, Welles told his biographer Barbara Leeming, You know what I did this morning? I played the voice of a toy. I play a planet. I menace somebody called something or other, then I'm destroyed. <laughs> My plan to destroy whoever it is thwarted and I tear myself apart on the screen. Now, the film did poorly financially, losing between this and the My Little Pony movie $10 million for Hasbro and coming 99th in the highest grossing movies of 1986 with a final box office gross of just $5 million, which is around 14 in today's equivalent. Out. Since then, however, the film, as we now know, it's gained an enormous cult following and is constantly reissued for fans of the franchise. 
franchise, making it one of the most endearing non-Disney animated movies in the last 40 years. It's also garnered reappraisal from many critics over the years who have classed the Michael Bay movies as having none of this original's narrative depth and labelling the, and I quote, Great Toy Massacre of 1986 as being a classic story about death, transfiguration, guilt and redemption. Transformers the movie is currently available on streaming services as well as DVD, Blu-ray and 4K. So, yeah, quite the turnaround for something easily dismissed at the beginning as a simple cash grab. Yes, such heroic nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> no, that opening scene when Megatron, you know, gets into the shuttle. <laughs> yeah, that opening scene when Megatron gets into the shuttle and he kills Ionide, he kills Prowl, he kills Ratchet. I, I, yeah. I was in tears then, never mind before yeah. Prime died. I know. I, I was good because I like Ironhide and Ratchet. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Good old Ironhide. I watched, I watched it earlier today and. I, I was just welling up at that scene. I wasn't expecting to feel that, but yeah, it's uh, it's not pleasant. No, it's not. No. Mm. And the thing is, I, I still have my original um, Video Gems VHS version, the UK version. Is that the and one with the narration? I was going to say, that's the one with the narration, which I always love and remember. And you've just got to love it for the... Man, man, I can't even say the word now. Hang on. The Maniacal Megatron. What yes. a word. I yes. just remember that. I had to look it up, and I thought, hey, the other Decepticons should be called the Maniacal Decepticons after that, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've uh, we've now reached a point in the show where we take a look at behind the scenes. Is what I would be saying had I not got a little surprise for our guest today. Yeah, we've not had them for a few episodes now, and regular listeners may think we'd forgotten them. But with two such experts, it's time for the return, the comeback, nay, the vengeance, if you will, of the big cult classics quiz. Surprise! Ouch. <laughs> go on, go on, mate. Fantastic. And this is a little quiz I like to call Robots in Disguise. You know when you're watching an animated movie and you recognise the voice but can't quite place it, so you've got to pause the video, you know, look it up where you know them from? Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Well, here we've got a series of titles that the actors in Transformers the movie are also known for. As we've already established, we've got two experts here with us today. And being of the slightly older persuasion, they both are, <laughs> naturally do them. What I'm going to do, I'm going to read you a series of movie titles that actors from Transformers the movie have appeared in, be it a movie or TV series. And no, I'm not going to show the poster, not only is it unfair to those listening on audio, but the image display in this is just shocking. But uh, all you've got to do simply is guess the actor and name of the character they play in Transformers 86. The first one to shout out their name has the guess, with one point each for the actor and the role. However, okay. if you guess wrong on the first try, the second title for that actor is revealed, allowing your opponent to guess. And if oh, neither of you guess, no one gets any points for that. So it all <laughs> comes down to how confident you feel in your response. You, I guess you've just got to... What's the word? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Does that sound clear enough right. to you too? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dare to go for it, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well... As an, I'll just, you know, as an example, using a much more recent animated movie, I'm not going to name the movie, but if I were to say Jurassic World. Okay. What's that going to do with animation? I was going to say, yeah. Oh, um, Mike, I get you. Go on. Uh, you'd probably be talking about the Lego movie. 
Correct. Uh, and the actor? Uh, Chris Pratt. Chris there Pratt. There you go. So, I mean, easy enough, right? I get you now, yeah. Yeah. So, as I say, it, obviously, we mean Transformers. It's it's not the name of the movie. Otherwise, you know, every point's going to be the same. But it's going to just... All we want is the name of the actor and the character they play in Transformers, the movie, okay? What, what okay. about more than one? Because there's some things where, like... Anyway, never mind. Well, <laughs> just, just accept any answer if it's more than well, one. Well, it's, I mean, it's easy enough. I mean, well, what I'm going to say is what to make things a little more interesting, some titles have been adapted more than once in the illustrious history of Hollywood. And some of these actors have been in the same production together and yeah, may yeah. well be mentioned for more than one individual. So if you're okay. going to guess, you've got to try and be sure. Okay. But, you know, don't worry if you don't get it. It's just a bit of fun. And if you want, you folks along at home can play. So, you well, know, at home. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm going to go uh, title one, 1941. Mike. Ooh. Go on, Mike. Orson Welles, Unicron. That's wrong. <gasps> so I'm going to give the next guess. I'm going to say the next title. And if Adrian wants to guess, that's up to him. So the next I, title. I, I was saying our name names. Are we saying our, auto e our alter egos? <laughs> hey, don't really bother me one way or the other, mate. I hope you lose yourself in the role if you want. <laughs> I'm going to go. The next title is in this. This one is Heart to Heart. Now then, deadly silence. <laughs> I'll, I'll, take, I, I'll, I'll, no I'll take a guess. I'll take a guess. Robert Stack, Ultra Magnus. That is wrong, I'm afraid. Oh, so that was actually no points to either. That was actually Lionel Stander who played. Oh, gold. <laughs> of course. Right. Go on. On to the next one. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh. Adrian, uh, that'd be uh, Leonard Nimoy, Galvatron. <laughs> that is Leonard Nimoy, Galvatron. You got that one, nice one. And stroke Unicron at the end, bless him. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, uh, that's two to Adrian. Well, thank you very much. So, come on, Mike. Come on, you can do this, fella. Right, the next one, New Jack City. I'll pass that to Mike, if he knows. I don't know. Um, no. right, I'll, I'll reveal the second title. So get ready to shout out. The okay. Breakfast. Mike. Oh. Go on, Mike. Judd Nelson, Hot Rod, slash Rodimus Prime. <laughs> you got it. Hey, he's got the touch. Nice. Yes. <laughs> and on to the next one. Twilight Zone, the movie. Oh, come on. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, it's at the back of my mind. Ah. And The Shining. Oh, God. Oh. Mike. Go, Mike. Go, 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 go. You I know, know mate. Yeah, I don't know which Transformer they play. So I'm going to, this is a wild, is it Scatman Crothers and Jazz? Of course, Scatman. It is. It, it is. And you've yes. got the character right too, mate. Oh, my goodness. Oh, of course. How could you forget Scatman as Jazz? Fantastic. So, yeah, it's 42 in Mike's favour. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. Ghostbusters. Oh, okay. Scooby-Doo, where are you? 
Oh, that's got to be oh, Frank Welker. Frank Welker. Sorry, Adrian Frank Welker. Uh, Soundwave. It's not actually oh. Frank Welker, this one. So no. it's over to Mike. As I said, they are, they can be in the same production. So Okay, okay. Go, Mike. So you're talking Scooby. Sorry, could you repeat what they were? Scooby Doo, I remember. And what else? Ghostbusters. And Ghostbusters. That's a good question. Uh, I don't know. No, it's um no. Sorry, it's gone. I, I've got no idea. Sorry. <laughs> it's actually Casey Kasem, Cliff Jumper. Of course, it's gonna Kasem. Oh God, yes. I should oh, have known it from Shaggy. You could have known it from Shaggy, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Casino Royale. Ooh. Slash, the Third Man. Oh well, that's uh, Adrian. That's got to be Awesome Wells. Awesome Wells Unicron. That's correct. That's correct. So we're now on four points each. Oh. <laughs> okay. Next one, just to throw a bit of confusion into the mix. Scooby Doo, where are you? Slash, Gremlins. Mike. Go on, Mike. Uh, Frank Welker, and you know what? I'm just going to pick Megatron, although he does about seven. So, yeah. <laughs> yep, that's correct. Excellent. So, Mike's on six. Oh, it's heating up. Oi. Right, next one. And again, it might be one that you've heard before. Okay. 1941. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any guesses, or you wait? You both want the second one. I'm not jumping in. Just... No, no, you go, go for it. Give us the second one. Airplane. Oh God, that's a good one. Um... I'll, I'll take a guess, Adrian. I'll take it. Was it Eric Idle, uh, Redgar? It wasn't Eric Idle. Uh, Rick I, I'm, I'll have a guess then. This is completely out of nowhere. Neil Ross. No. I, I know who it is, but go for it, Mike. I know what it is now. I was just guessing Neil Ross, who played Springer, just for no reason except why not. No, it actually came up earlier. It's Robert Magnus. I should have known that being Edo Magnus. Right, next one. Nuns on the run. Mike. Oh, oh, Mike. oh go for it, Mike. You've yeah. got this one. I said it before. Yep, yep. Go on, Mike. Hey, there you go. It is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one Predator Ooh Okay Anybody want to take a guess or do you want the second one? I, I couldn't guess I from couldn't guess at that one, no, go for the second one, go Treasure Planet Oh, gold That's the hard one. Oh, oh, Mike Go for it, Mike. I know, I know this from your Predator review. Peter Cullen, Optimus Prime. Of course! It is Peter <laughs> Cullen, Optimus Prime. I, nice bow to, I bow to your knowledge, Mike. Oh, Magatron. <laughs> oh, sorry, <laughs> Optimus Prime and Ironhide in the one. <laughs> of course. Oh, yes. <laughs> nice. I'm, well, I'm, I'm going to give you an extra point for that. Excellent. Woo. So, yeah, that's it. And at the end of that, Mike has 11 points. To Adrian's oh. four. Oh dear, oh dear. How so, embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that uh, that watching it earlier paid off, Mike. <laughs> Absolutely. Definitely. All this stuff just in the back of my mind all jumbled up, that's a problem. It's there, but it's just getting to it. <laughs> yeah. I, I know, I know that feeling well. Oh. So how do you feel about that, Mike?
I feel, I feel, um, I feel like you know. Sometimes you just gotta dare to be stupid. Oh, <laughs> you've got to avoid the instruments of destruction. You've got to oh. dare to believe. You've got to talk to you. You know, what, what more is there to say? Yeah. Well, yes. What what can you say? So after that, now it's time for the part of the show where we go behind the scenes. And nothing's going to stand in our way Ooh. as we reel off some pertinent information from behind that curtain. Very nice. Go for it, Mike. Oh, sorry. And I'm going to play some appropriate for this rock and roll music movie. Nice one. I've got a hunger for it. Are we going to have some Vince Diet Cola? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. I stress that much of this is, you know, pretty common knowledge. If you're a G1 obsessive and know all there is to know about this movie, please bear with us. It's uh, it's only a few minutes and we'll be right back to discussing the film itself. As for the rest of you, now there were many changes made to the movie as it developed. In the original theatrical release, Spike says, oh shit, what are we going to do now when the attempted destruction of Unicron fails? Although included to shove the rating from a G to a PG and thus guarantee more daily showings, it was removed from physical media releases until the year 2000 when it was reinstated and has been included since. I do remember the one I owned had the line taken out. I'm presuming that's the, the Video Gems one that you've got, Adrian. It is, it is, my friend, that's right. Yeah, it is. It's, it's present and correct on the 4K, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it is on the Blu-ray when I watched it earlier. Uh, yeah, there were also several changes made due to violent scenes as the production went on. The death of Braun and the original version of Magnus's apparent destruction on Junkion were removed and or changed as the censors felt they went too far. A scene in which Red Alert and Trailbreaker were killed while trying to defend Autobot City never made it to the final version, as did a further scene showing the deaths of Bombshell and Mirage. Wow. No scene which Shockwave killed on Cybertron by Unicron's hand was removed, though in the uh, IDW movie adaptation it has been reinstated, along with uh, Reflector also being a casualty. There was also supposed to be a scene where Prime faces Megatron and Dirge, or Thrust, depending on who you speak to, attacks Prime, interrupting the pair, only for Prime to slam him into the ground. Interestingly, this almost made it to the final version, which explains at the end of the conversation between Prime and Megatron why Prime appeared to be getting up from a crouched position. Ah. Now, despite this, for what is essentially a children's animated feature, the body count is pretty up there. I mean, it gives you some indication of where things are going when Megatron in gun mode hits an Autobot first try, which is something that never happened in the series that preceded it. G1 characters Wing Charger, Wheeljack, Ironhide, Ratchet, Prowl, Brawn, Gears, Starscream, not to mention Optimus, all meet their demise in this. The Jets and some of the Insecticons were reformatted along with Megatron. Huffer is also later named as one of the dead. It's also not confirmed as a death, but Inferno is listed in the end credits, despite not making an appearance, giving rise to the rumour that early drafts of the script featured the Autobot. There are a lot of deaths in this movie. Oh, yeah. In fact, it was originally intended to be part of a double feature with a G.I. Joe movie. And in both cases, the makers were granted permission to kill off as many characters as possible, though new characters, ergo new toys, could be introduced. Transformers was the first to be released, and there was such an amount of negative blowback to the move. You know, obviously kids don't like to see their favourite characters die. Who knew? No. 
that the uh, the G.I. Joe movie was quickly changed to remove the deaths. Instead, seeing the characters in that movie lapse into comas instead. <laughs> so it's quite possible that had the G.I. Joe film been released first, things wouldn't look so bad for our friend from Cybertron. Which brings us to Optimus. Now, originally, the idea was for Prime to be alive at the end of the movie, only to have him merge with Cybertron to help defeat Unicron. But this was scrapped and we ended up with events unfolding as they did. Writer Ron Friedman was opposed to Prime's death, telling Hasbro they would have to bring him back. But they said no, as they great things planned, in quotes. However, not only did this inverted commas death prove so iconic that it's now become a standard plot point, you know, almost to the point of being a running joke, that his death and resurrection invariably make him into iteration after iteration of the Transformers franchise, making him the robot equivalent of Jesus. But as Friedman guessed, it was so emotionally damaging and traumatizing to people of our generation that in the initial home release versions, the one that Adrian has, in the UK at least, it says that they had to include narration at the end of the movie stating that Optimus Prime would return. Oh, yeah. Now, that narration, as far as I know, it's since been removed in recent releases. And didn't you say you were trying to track it down, Mike? But it's it's not pretty much in anything now? Yeah, that's, I, I having now watched through everything except the commentary um, on the, the sort of two discs that I've got, the 4K and Blu-ray, it's not even mentioned anywhere, and it's really annoying because as a completist, I, I grew up with the one where it has the kind of Star Wars opening crawl explanation and yeah, it has the, the end part the, of yeah. the UK version is yeah, the, the, the UK version is the only version that has that and, and like you say, in all the releases it's not that version at all. Yeah. And as I say, I, I just vividly remember at the at the end the voice of um what's his name the guy who does all the voice stuff yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um coming in and saying you know oh this this battle is over but the war will carry on and the fantastic adventures of transformers will continue including the return of the greatest of the prime. yeah um, <laughs> well weirdly enough as i'm looking at quotes today this it is listed as the narrator in the quotes on imdb so you know he does still narrate a little bit it's the same guy I, I, I usually remember his name i'm blanking on it but he still has a bit where like it, it does all the kind of opening unicron stuff and then he chimes in to say it is the year 2005. Yeah. Yeah, all of yeah. the exhibition, you know yeah now as far as megatron that was his name sorry 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 go on mate victor caroli that was his yeah name. that's it victor good old victor yeah now as far as megatron is concerned and this will interest you mike in the show seasons that followed the movie, Frank Welker took over the role of Galvatron for Leonard Nimoy, making this the second time he'd stood in for him. Do you know the first? I don't, but I'm assuming since you uh, singled me out with something Star Trek related. <laughs> yeah, Welker was the voice or screams on the planet Genesis for Spark yeah. in Trek 3. Oh, yeah. wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Came to me after I'd said that, sorry. Yeah, I know, mate, I know that feeling. That, that's yeah. a great impression. <laughs> yeah. Now, obviously, despite the high body count, people still wondering to this day where other characters from the franchise, such as Protector Bots or Mega Supreme, are during the events of the movie. I can't account for headcanon, but if it was down to simple logistics, the movie started production midway through season two of production on the second series of the cartoon. So any new characters, i.e. the aforementioned, couldn't be used, though characters introduced earlier in that season, such as Blaster, Perceptor, etc., were fair game. Did you know yeah. that there's something, I think it's one of the IDW comics that tries to wreck on away the problem, by the way. Because oh. it says that um, there's there's a battle going on somewhere that you can't see with all of the different... With all the other characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I remember that. The that should really be epic are all just fighting each other. Out what, the corner what, of what, 
that's like those little vehicles that are released for Star Wars that said, oh, they were just off screen. They were yeah, just off screen. They were, they were there, but you couldn't see them. Yeah. <laughs> now, on the subject of Blaster, the movie marks the first ever appearance of his cassette Transformers, though they were supposed to be of different designs, a robot, lion, scorpion, and a tiger. They were later changed into two humanoid robots, a rhino and a tiger. Now, it's obviously common knowledge that this was Orson Welles' last role before his untimely death at the age of 70. The actor-slash-filmmaker passed away on October 10th, 1985, only five days after recording his lines for the movie. Now, director Nelson Shin and story consultant Flint Dill stated that Welles had difficulty recording his lines due to ill health, and his voice had to be put through a voice synthesizer to give it, and I quote, a clearer, more ominous tone due to it being so weak. Now, there is some disagreement, in fact, that Wells managed to record all of his lines before his passing, with some saying, that, as Adrian referred to, referred to earlier, that the delivery had to be completed by Nimoy. Susan Blue, however, the voice of RC in the movie, states this to be erroneous, and she was there when Wells finished recording his lines. So, Oh, wow. my song wine. <laughs> well, they, they, they certainly made his voice ominous, definitely. Yeah. They, they got that right. As well as Mr. Wells, this was unfortunately also the final official role of Scatman Crothers, who passed away on November 22nd, 86. And while he made one final posthumous appearance as a voice in 1987's Rock Odyssey, it's believed that his lines in Transformers 86 were recorded after those. And finally, and you know, I'm not in any way saying this might be an indication of a possible future cult classic, but the only titles and computerized tunnel sequence were designed by Dina Burkett and Bill Miller. And if you think it had a familiar vibe to it, Dina Burkett, of course, had previously worked as visual effects scene coordinator on Disney's 1982 Tron. Oh, yeah. so there you go. That's it for the beat really this week. Oh, go on, sorry. The funny thing about that, I've made a note. I didn't know that at all. And in my notes, I've written, wow, when uh, Megatron gets reformatted into Galvatron, it all just looks very Tron. And I yeah. didn't even realize that's why. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's it for the BTS section this week. So thank you for that delightful melody, Mike. If I may say so, you really do have the uh, the touch. Oh, uh, yeah. I had to get it. But to continue in the vein of taking a look behind the scenes, this week, we've got a special treat for lovers of the movie. We managed to catch up with Guinness World Record speed talker, actor, and voice of Blur from Transformers the Movie, John Machete Jr. And here's what John had to say when we spoke to him over the weekend. Yeah, and joining us today is uh, record speed talker and voice of Blur in Transformers the Movie, uh, John Machete Jr. Welcome, John. Thank you very much. It's really a pleasure to be here. You know, I mean, it's kind of early for me, but it's kind of late for you. And we're talking here. So, you know, with the time difference, hopefully everything works out. But I'm still a little charged because it's only morning here. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm already loving it. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for uh, for sparing the time. I know it was short notice, but thank you very much for joining us today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Oh, great. Uh, I'll get straight into it. Uh, how aware were you of Transformers prior to becoming involved in the franchise? Uh, well, I was uh, in, became involved before anybody was aware of it. We actually did the TV show before we did the movie, um, and they created the part of Blur for me in in uh, Generation One, and we we recorded all the episodes, and then they had an air jet, and then the movie came out, and it just was all kind of backwards and forwards and whatever. Oh, nice! I didn't know that they actually created the role for you. 
Yes, yes. They already they called up and said, "Hey, would you like to do this role?" I said, "Sure, why not?" Oh, fantastic! Awesome. That's cool. Um, I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I've been watching the uh, the special features on the the Transformers the movie, and one of the uh, two producers actually says that Blur is his favorite character in the movie in uh, TF eighty six. So. Uh, did you know that? And do you have a favorite character yourself other than the ones that you voiced? <laughs> um, you know, I, d I did not know that one of the producers said that. Uh, I certainly had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, the movie was a little different because everybody was recorded individually. Uh, the TV uh, show, there were like group sessions. So that was kind of fun. Uh, although I wasn't available for a lot of the group sessions because I was traveling or doing whatever. Uh, I kind of like all the... You know, I like Grimlock, and I like well, I like all of the characters. They're all they're all good. Cool. You know, what's not to like about someone talking about their struts melting? I mean, you know, come on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, very cool you, film. <laughs> you've kind of touched upon it already, but looking back to the uh, the recording sessions, it was initially for the movie, but I'll you know I'll bring it up for the series as well. Do you have any fond memories of being in the studio with anyone in particular? Any any standout moments? Well, you know. <laughs> The, the cast for Generation One was Scatman Crothers and um, Roger C. Carmel and Dick Godier and, uh, you know, just all these great people. And, you know, you got all these grown men sitting in a room and saying these what, you know, were silly lines back then. We had no idea what they meant because the show wasn't even animated yet. You know, they were just doing our voices. And it was just really fun to just play around with these guys. Nice. I would imagine it's a really good. It was a really good atmosphere back then. It was. It was a lot. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. You know, people weren't taking themselves too seriously. A lot of times in this business, people, you know, think they're, you know, reinventing the wheel and take themselves very seriously. We were just having fun, so it was good. I mean, we took it seriously, of course, but it was yeah. still fun. I would imagine there's quite a few uh, little outtakes there. Yeah, we usually, usually what they would do is we would go through, read the whole script through, and then go back and do pickups, you know, try it this way, try it that way. And then, of course, when you're throwing in words that really weren't words before the show, it's kind of hard. Well, is that how you're really going to pronounce that? Or should we pronounce it this way or that way? Or <laughs> yeah. So that was always a little bit of a challenge. Great. Yeah. That's fair enough. Um, I mean, this is kind of related to my previous question, but um, obviously you're known for voicing Blur, uh, but you have voiced a couple of other Transformers as well. Are there any that springs to mind that you'd love to have voiced uh, that other people did, maybe? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I like doing Blur, and, uh, you know, the way these um, the contracts work with the union, uh, you have usually, like, a main character, but then they can also have you do two other characters while you're there and not have to pay you extra. So that's how they work in some of these smaller characters that may not be in a lot of episodes. Maybe they're only in one, maybe they're in a couple, but they throw them at you like a punch and counter punch. And uh, there was a couple of others that, you know, were just one offs, you know, we do one line or two lines, but uh, you know, they were able to do that. Yeah. Nice. When it, I mean, when it came to the scripts, did you have any say in uh, how any of your characters developed? I mean, did you, were you able to bring some of your personality to the role? Well, they, they want you to bring some of the personality to the role, but uh, they don't... Uh, Wally Burr, who was the director on most of the original stuff and on the movie, really just went by the script and just wanted to get the script done and didn't want a lot of improv and whatever else. I just did a series of things for Hasbro, uh, their stop-motion stuff that are, is online now, 
and they let me just run with it. So I had a fun time doing that. I got to improv. But for the movie and for the uh, G1 series and even for Transformers Animated, it was like, just say what's on the page and we'll call it a day. If, 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 you, uh, if you have the link to any of that online stuff, we'd, we'd love to see it. Yeah, I'd have to see where I, where it is. I'll have to have to look. There's like six or eight of them. I was actually voted into the Transformers Hall of Fame last year. Uh, um, one of the few human. They have a lot of characters in the Hall of Fame, of course. But I was one of the few voices that have been uh, uh, put into the Hall of Fame. I think Frank Welker might be in there, and I'm not sure who else. But um, and then they did a bunch of these that coincided with the anniversary of the movie when it was re-released and they showed them in the theaters before the movie yeah. and they were kind of tongue in cheek. Uh, the writer uh, of the series, you know, would get people would pick up little things that were wrong or why did you do this? Or why did you do that? So these were like comedy things addressing that stuff. You know, the fact that characters get killed off, it's, you know, one of them's a character sitting there and he finds out that he's been killed and, you know, <laughs> You know, well, what do you mean I've been killed? Well, there's a new toy line coming out, so we don't need to anymore. <laughs> so it was really yeah. funny and really fans of the movie. I, I sat in on one of the uh, on the uh, the, the re-release of the the movie, and I was there for this little opening ceremony they had, and they ran all of them, and the the fans just went crazy for him. I, we we watched it a couple of days ago, and he still holds up really, really well. I are, are you a particular fan of that piece when it comes to your work? Well, the funny thing about it, um, you know, when they all I all I saw of it beforehand was my lines. So I had no idea what was going on. And that was kind of the case with everybody. And when it came to the opening of the movie, they sent Robert Stack and myself out on a press tour. Uh, back then, they didn't do satellite press tours. You actually had to physically go to these cities. Yeah. So they sent us all over the country, ending up in New York, which, of course, was a major market and had a ton of shows. So he did half of the shows and I did half of the shows. And then they had the big premiere in Times Square uh, on that night. And they had given us talking points about the movie. You know, it's a family movie and it's great for kids and all this kind of stuff. And then we go to the premiere and it's nothing but things getting blown up and the screechy <laughs> soundtrack. And we're like, oh, my God, we're telling everyone to bring their little children to this. <laughs> so it was quite a surprise to us. But uh, it is what it is. Yeah, it just seems to have been described since as the Great Toy Massacre of 86. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant. Um, yeah, so related to that, I was going to um, ask you a question slightly off book, but um, I was curious, as you kind of are known for this famous character for Blur, uh, particularly in the movie, which has become, uh, you know, world-renowned, uh, were you ever given any Blur action figures or any, like, merchandise of that? I do have a couple of uh, Blur uh, statuettes, the old original version. They just came out with a new version. And then they have one that's uh, part of their shattered glass collection, so it's like evil yeah. blur. Oh, so wow. there's one of, the, and I have one of those as well. That's I have cool. to say, I'm quite ashamed at the moment because I got my Transformers out. My original, these are the originals that I had when I was a kid. And during the move, I lost blur. Oh so no! I, yeah, I've been running around like crazy trying to find blur, and it, it's, I'm, I'm sorry to let the side down. Yeah, no, the original you can't get anymore, but uh, on their you know, the website now, Hasbro, they do have a new Blur version of Blur. 
Um, I never saw one for the Blur that was in um, Blur Animated, where he had the pointy head and stuff. I never saw a doll for that. But the old Blur, that's a, a couple of the figurines. Yeah. yeah, I've got one of them here. <laughs> there we go. There he is. Explore. As soon as yeah. he found out we were doing the interview, he jumped straight on Amazon. Uh-huh. <laughs> eBay, but still. Oh. Yeah. I love that character. I love all of the characters in the movie, though. They're such fun. But uh, So, yeah, you may have kind of already answered my next question because you said you were mainly on your own, uh, at least when it came to recording the movie, but... Was there any kind of difference that you noticed between working in animation compared to what you're known for, which is like commercial voiceovers, things like that? Well, you don't have to shave. You don't have to put long <laughs> pants on. You can wear flip-flops and a T-shirt and a pair of shorts and uh, just roll out of bed and roll into the studio, which is kind of nice. Uh, you don't have to sit in a makeup chair or do any of that. So that uh, that's always been very appealing to me. Anytime I get to do voiceovers in any of the cartoons that I've done, it's uh, you know it's really fun because you just kind of walk in, you do it, you have a good time, and you go home. Nice. I mean, you've obviously I, I didn't know this for uh, to be honest. Uh, I'm I'm a fan of the movie, but I didn't know you'd worked on Dick Tracy. Yeah, there's actually a funny story about Dick Tracy. <laughs> uh, I was I first auditioned for the part of Mumbles. Oh, okay. Because they thought it would be very funny to have the man who's known for talking very clearly, very quickly, to be in a part that was mumbling. <laughs> and I actually had 11 auditions for the part. And it looked like the part was mine after the 11 auditions. And I got a phone call and from Warren Beatty, the, who directed it. And he said, um, well, John, I got a little bad news for you. I was having uh, lunch with Dusty on Sunday, Dustin Hoffman. And he said, hey, is there any parts in the movie? And the only one that wasn't cast was Mumbles. So he goes, so um, Dusty's going to play the part. And of course, I understood it. You know, John Machida, Dustin Hoffman. John Machida, Dustin Hoffman. Is gonna be... Of course, you're going to go with Dustin Hoffman. He says, well, we're going to put you in the movie, so don't worry about it. So I was, uh, played the part of a reporter and a voice on the radio. And I had this great yellow suit. It was really terrific. And after they finished filming, they realized that I was the only person in the movie besides Dick Tracy to wear yellow. Oh, so they cut me out except for my mouth. So you see this picture whenever I'm talking, you only see this much of me or it's the voice coming out of the radio or something else. But you never see me full body because they didn't want anybody else wearing yellow. But Dick Tracy. Oh, dear. Oh, this is Hollywood. The nice thing about that is everybody got paid scale. So, you oh, know, wow. the residuals the residuals still come in and I get the same check Madonna does. So it all works out good. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. Mike's not seen that one yet. I was just extolling the virtues of that movie. I think it's quite a fun movie. It is a, it is a good movie. I enjoyed the movie. You've, I mean, you've obviously done a lot of voiceover work over the years. Uh, looking back over your career so far, what to your mind has been the most fun to take part in? Oh, God, I've had so much fun doing so many various different things. Um, probably the most nerve-wracking thing was doing the rules at the Academy Awards. That was just absolutely panic-inducing. Um, and I think for fun, I don't know, we did a singing-dancing number on the Emmys one time. That was fun with all the old commercial people, Josephine the Plumber and the Maytag Man and all that stuff. And then... Um, 
there was a guy I worked for Warner Brothers for two years in Columbus, Ohio, for this thing called Cube, which was the world's first two way interactive cable system. And it was back in the 70s. And you could ask people at home a question and they could touch a button on a box and answer it. And you could know what they answered. And so it was really the first worldwide two way system. And there was a guy that was there that wrote for the television, children's television workshop and a lot of other places named Jim Thornton. And he wrote a commercial for me to do for PBS, which won actually a bunch of awards. And to this day, I just, I don't know how many people chuckle when they listen to it, but I just get a kick because he would, had, there were lines like, uh, if I was you, and I'm glad I'm not because then we'd have to share our clothes. You know, it just <laughs> stupid, stupid stuff like that. But it just cracked me up the way he would write stuff. And he wrote several stuff for me. He wrote a bunch of Sesame Streets that I did. I was Porter Pepper, Peter Piper, Pea Products, and Sam of Sam's S Stuff Store, and Bold Bray, Bop and Bob, Bebop and Bob, and um, you know a bunch of different stuff. So uh, that stuff was fun for me to do. And he also wrote a movie that I did for PBS called MathNet Adventures, where I played an insurance embezzler and his mother. <laughs> so. Got to dress in, got to dress in drag in the middle of August in New York, ninety-eight degrees, a hundred percent humidity, in this big, half heavy black dress with a veil and the whole thing. So it was kind of fun, and that was really a fun part to do. So I think he was probably my favorite writer for stuff that I said. There were people that were certainly very clever over the the, you know, the last forty years, but he just always cracked me up with his stuff. Oh, fantastic. Now, uh, since the movie, the cons have played a big part in Transformers fandom over the years. What's been your own personal experience with them? Do you have any particular fan encounters that stand out in your memory? Well, I do occasionally go to the conventions and get to meet the people. And um, it's really amazing because, you know, you sit in a room, you read a couple of lines, you have no idea what kind of effect it's going to have on people. And now the original fans, well, now there's people of all ages, of course, but the bulk of the fans are older and, you know, they come up and tell you how you shaped their whole childhood. And, you know, they grew up with you in the micro machine man and the, the um, saved by the bell. And, you know, and you just don't realize that you have any kind of impact on someone. So it's always really a very big ego boost to go do these things. And people are just, you know, very grateful, very nice, you know, sign autographs, take pictures. And so it's really, really good. And I do that. I'm having one coming up next month, actually, in Pasadena. So it should, oh, that should be fun. Fantastic. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll try and put a link to that, won't we, Mike, in the description? Yeah, yeah I'll find out the details. I'm sure they'll be. Yeah, I'll have to look up and see what it's called because it's not one of the, it's not a specific Transformers convention. It's nice. uh, something else. So I'm not sure what it's called. I'll look it up and let you know. Um, cause we just did, uh, there's one that they do very close to where I live every year. I don't do it every year, but they do it every year. Um, uh, that's, uh, just a transformers convention and that's usually in January or February. Yeah. If you get the details, we'll, we'll put it up in the description. So hopefully you'll get, a, get a few more fans there for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll email the guy who was the head of doing the, uh, animatic things and to find out where he, uh, where, where the link for that is because i have them i just don't have um i just you know i have them downloaded on my computer i don't have yeah. a site for it 
yeah no yeah. worries it's understandable uh yeah no i think i'm probably i obviously i've never really had a chance to make it to the states for a convention because i'm i'm stuck in england at the moment that's where i uh i'm from but um, i would have been one of those fans that kind of would say you were a huge part of my childhood without even without necessarily being able to name you because i grew up with those micro machines commercials and the uh various kind of ads and things and uh well it used to be fun because i used to have to come to england every year to do them we would do them in um the states, of course, and those versions would run in about 30, uh, 30 countries. But then we would come back and come over to England every year and do separate versions because you guys don't call it the hood and the trunk. You call it the boot and the bonnet and you oh, get yeah. petrol. <laughs> you don't get gas. You motor. You don't drive. Yeah. So I'd have to come and do the different things. Then all, you know, all members of the UK would run those commercials. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. That's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, definitely, uh, definitely have those commercials ingrained in my mind. And uh, there's a lot of good work. As, as I say, I recommend people to look on YouTube. They can find a lot of your kind of older TV appearances that are all good and things like that as well. We're in the uh, process. I finally got around to digitizing uh, like 600 videotapes that I had, three quarter inch and half inch. And we're in the process of getting them ready. And we're going to have a start a YouTube channel with you know, there's hundreds of commercials and TV shows and oh, yeah. uh, just stuff. A lot of stuff which people have never seen, which I don't even, <laughs> it's really embarrassing. But I was watching, they called me the other day and said, what is this from? And I looked, I was like, I don't even remember doing it. You know, I, just, <laughs> I don't know. I got me. It was funny. I can tell you that. It was a very cute but, bit, but <laughs> had no idea what it was from. <laughs> Good problem to have that you've done too much work, I think, isn't it? I yeah. guess, I guess. Either that or I'm just getting, haven't done that much and I'm just getting senile. But uh, I mean, it was 40 years ago when I did a lot of this stuff. So mm, true. Yeah. Yeah. No, I do. I want to shout out quickly as well your um, 10 minute classics and 10 minute university work, which I think oh, is thank just you. Cool, such a cool, unique idea as well. And I would recommend people check those out if they could. <laughs> I was so lucky that these guys, you know, came to me and they said, hey, we have this idea. And I said, wow, that sounds really great. And then, uh, you know, we put it together and, you know, produced the whole thing. And it was really the first, the 10 classics was very successful the first year. And so then we did the follow up, the 10 minute university, which was also very uh, successful. As a matter of fact, when I was out on the press tour for 10 minute university, I was interviewed by a guy in Boston who has posted that video of the interview online and it's now been seen, I think it's uh, almost 110 million times now. Wow, yeah. <laughs> Makes That's sense. Um, you certainly make Moby Dick more accessible. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, definitely but no with with all that in mind i think uh you, you know your work has definitely been meaningful and obviously we're talking transformers specifically the movie 86 which has got a lot of meaning to people as well so with that in mind what would you like to to think would be the legacy of john mashita jr and of transformers 86 and of blur <laughs> well you know i just i think my i just would like to know that people got a chuckle out of me you know, they watched me. They forgot about the crap that goes on in the world. Everybody's got crap in their life. They got crap up to here. Every time you turn around, there's more crap that keeps getting thrown at you, especially these days. There's crap, 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 crap. So if I could give you three seconds, five seconds, 20 seconds of a smile on your face and a little chuckle, then I'm happy. Awesome. I, I have to say, uh, both as a child and just a couple of days ago when I watched it, yeah, every single time Blair puts a smile on my face. Love it. Yeah, absolutely love, love it. it. So thank you for that. And, my pleasure. Uh, I was going to say, are you working on anything, any projects right now, anything coming down the pipeline you'd like to share with the listeners? Well, you know what, these days, I'm actually getting ready to do a, a short film called The Composer about uh, 
uh, an old guy in a nursing home who has Alzheimer's. <laughs> so I'm fitting right in with that. And um, it's kind of, it, he thinks he was a composer, but you're not really sure, was he a composer or wasn't he a composer and whatever. So I'm, I'm working on that right now. And then there's a couple of other things, but the very popular things these days are non-disclosure agreements. Mm. Everybody makes you sign NDAs. I have an, you know, you do an audition for something and it's a ridiculous thing. It mean, means nothing. It's not like it's an idea someone's going to steal. It's like a stupid line you're saying, and they won't show you the line until you sign the NDA. You know, I'm like, oh, come on. So the other stuff I can't talk about because it's all NDA, but, um, you know, sooner or later we'll be around out and about. Well, I'll definitely look for that composer. That sounds really intriguing. Yeah, it's it should be really good. We just had a read through yesterday, and uh, it's not filming till it's going to start filming in July. So oh, it great. should be good. Great. Uh, well, yeah, I just that's that's pretty much all we have. I just wanted to to thank you for taking the time out of your day to uh, you know to, to talk to us. And it's I don't know about Mike, but I presume like me, it's been a huge honor. Yeah, honestly. So. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for that. And if there's anything that you'd like to say to the listeners before before we wrap this up, then the floor is yours, sir. Well, I just want to thank them for you know, sticking with Blur for all these years because that really means a lot to me because I know the Blur would really appreciate that because he's just got to walk around going, Decepticons, 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 I'm in a stupid mission, stupid mission, but the stupidest mission I've ever been on. And nobody would care about that if it wasn't for all my loyal fans. So I really want to thank everybody. I want to thank you guys. It was a pleasure talking to you. Everybody enjoyed the movie. It's been around for forever. It's going to continue to live on, and I really appreciate that. And uh, everybody have a great summer. Thank awesome. you, sir. Thank you so Fantastic. much. Yeah. It's been an honor and a pleasure to uh, to talk to you. And thanks for, for everything and for this little guy. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy him. <laughs> I will do. Bye-bye for now. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Right. It was really great to speak to John. Really nice guy. What do you think, Mike? Such a really nice <laughs> Megatron, just because it's an Autobot. I thought he was great, and it was fantastic to speak to him. And, uh, yeah, fantastic little interview. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, extremely generous to spare the uh, the time to talk to us. So I want to give a big thank you to John and his representative, Neil, for arranging that for us. And uh, those links that John talked about, as usual, can be found in the description. So, uh, yeah, please do check them out. Thank so, you, John. Without further ado, it's time to look at the movie itself. So, Microtron, Edo Prime, it's time to transform and roll out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't right. feel a thing. <laughs> <laughs> now, going back to uh, when the movie was released, I was at school when it opened, and for some reason, maybe a trip or something, I think it might have been around the Christmas holiday, I wasn't able to get to the local cinema that week. I do, however, remember it being on at the exact same time as Howard the Duck. It was... Uh, oh, God, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> it was one of the older-style cinemas that only had two screens. Now, it were a few months after that that we in our house finally got a vhs player and up until then we had a betamax yes kids on that. cannot be betamax. the very first tape i bought with my own money was the uh, the video gems transformers the movie picked it up from a local branch of asda i was so excited looking at that cover and i raced home that evening to watch it now in truth I wasn't a big fan of the cartoon series. The only way to watch it until that point had been in very small snippets early in the day on uh, TV AM before oh, school. Oh, yeah. I remember yep. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
it was so infrequent that I kept missing chunks of storylines. I was much more addicted to the UK Marvel comic at the time, and compared, yeah. compared to the cartoon, it was it was brutal. I was still, I was hyped up to see the movie, regardless of the differences between the cartoon and my, you know, what I thought at the time, superior continuity. I was blown away. I couldn't believe some of the stuff. I don't know about you. I couldn't believe what I was seeing on screen. It left me both an emotional wreck and an addict for life. I've purchased so many copies of it in various formats. I bought the original movie poster, the soundtrack, the extended con soundtrack, everything I could get my hands on. Yeah, I may not have been able to, you know, wreck on the continuity in my head with that other comic, but I honestly couldn't care less. I mean, how about you guys? What was your first experience with this one? Oh, um, well. Not to uh, you know, don't, don't attack me, everyone. But I was I was quite a late comer to Transformers as a franchise because it was one of the sort of big '80s franchises that I didn't watch because it just I don't know why it, it didn't uh, for, for whatever reason certain ones BBC ones and things didn't get to me for the same reason I still to this day have no connection whatsoever to Thundercats. But uh, sorry, but um, no Transformers was one of those things. So when I got a little bit older, when I started hitting like teen years and I started getting my own money and stuff, I was like, let's see what the fuss is about. So the first my first exposure to it was the movie which i watched on like i think video at first and then like i said uh, dvd and stuff i've had it a few times uh when i got much older once i was at university and again had some money to spare i bought all of the g1 cartoon because i could vaguely remember it like even though i didn't watch it and i wouldn't say i was a fan or whatever i did vaguely remember it. i did have a couple of like knockoff transformer toys that people had bought me as gifts because you know <laughs> we're like he must like this thing it's a card becomes a robot <laughs> come on <laughs> in much the same way that people were like, "Here, yeah, Batman, you must like him, mustn't you?" <laughs> I mean, I guess. You know? <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I did have a few sort of toys, and I was aware of the bits and pieces. But then, like when I hit uni, and I I, I bought all of G One, tried to get into the others, and just can't. So it's it's G One specifically for me. But then I fell down the rabbit hole of uh, the Transformers TF Wiki, which is oh my word, you could be you could waste <laughs> several nights on there. And yes, I have. So <laughs> I was fascinated by it. And uh, much as it pains me to say it, I have seen all of the Transformers movies. Uh, we've discussed it, DK. I think one and three are decent movies. I think the others are unwatchable garbage that should be, you know, thrown out of an airlock along with Megatron's dying corpse. Um, but I will say that I think Bumblebee is the best one. So if anybody hasn't seen that because you're put off, please do. And I'm hopeful that uh, Rise of the Beasts will be more along those lines than uh, those last two particular Transformers movies. Oh, my word. <laughs> we can hope. We live in hope, don't we? We do. I was I was saying to DK as well, this is the weird thing. They filmed huge parts of the last night in Newcastle in the actual city centre where I've, I walk past like virtually once a week oh, used to be well, yeah, daily yeah. when I was working there and uh, I still won't bring myself to rewatch that movie I watched it <laughs> once and was just like I'm ashamed that they filmed that film here <laughs> it painted the city <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh, okay, okay well uh, regards to the Transformers the, the, the Transformers themselves the G1 stuff was Kind of a, a last hurrah for me as I was as I was growing up. Um, I was 13, 14 when the toys started to come out. So I was supposed to be thinking about other things <clears throat> as, as, as a growing lad. Um, but I do remember... That's that, why they invented RC. Well, there you go, you see. That was it. Well, the, uh, other things? <laughs> you're supposed to be thinking about GoBots? What are you talking about? GoBots, of course, yeah. <laughs> well, well, anyway, um, yeah, so I remember at the time... I was one of the guinea pigs for the GCSEs and it was a real mess in the schools. And 
the Transformers was a kind of escape from all that. And I love the first two lines of the of the uh, two waves of the of the of the toys. Um, I kind of had to go out and buy them secretly with my pocket money and sneak them in. Mum and dad would be like, "What you got there? Have you got another Transformer? No, no, not at all. No." But of course, I had. I had a bag full. Um, and of course, like DK, I used to love the, the 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 UK Marvel comic. I was a big fan of that. That that's what really got me into the Transformers more than anything else. Um, so by the time the movie came out, I'd kind of moved on to other things, but I was curious. I was very curious. So it was on at the local Odeon. I remember going to see it in screen two. We had three screens at Doncaster Odeon. Um, two and three were pretty much the same. Um, and I remember there was probably me and maybe two other guys in there. And I was sat pretty much down towards the front. And yeah, I was just blown away by the whole thing. It was just something that uh, really stayed with me after watching it. Like seeing characters that I'd grown up with actually die and get killed. Um, that was, yeah, that was kind of my first experience of, of, of those childhood characters being killed. You know, the, 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 these these people, these creatures, these uh, Autobots, Decepticons, they weren't meant to die, you know, but they did. And uh, yeah, it um, it just stayed with me. And it's been a favourite of mine ever since. Nice. Well, I mean, movies now over 35 years old. And normally we tend to look back on animation on, well, you know, really anything other than Disney back then. as something that doesn't necessarily hold up all that well. Uh, without being too specific, as we'll get onto that a little later, how do you guys think this this is uh, this is fared in that regard? You want to go first, yeah, I think it's really good. As I was watching the kind of, like I said, behind the scenes and special features, it gives me a new appreciation because you can see, particularly when they talk to Nelson Shin, the kind of effort that went into the animation of the movie is just incredible. And there's things that you wouldn't even notice, like subtle moments. Um, there's a clip from, from the commentary that's on one of the BTS documentaries where he says, like, you, you might not notice it, but some of the cell shading for like the Decepticons is purple for the Autobots is more, I think it's red. And he made a point of like that always being the case. And you wouldn't notice that like consciously, but the fact that they made that effort and he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the bad guys are one color. The good guys are another. And, well, yeah, definitely. That's, that, that's part of their heritage, isn't it? The, the purple and the red. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, I mean, even apart from that, they, they say this on the, another of the documentaries and I'm going to repeat it because it's true is that, the kind of opening scene of Unicron eating the planet and the various scenes of the inside of Unicron are like abstract kind of modern art. Like oh, if yeah. they were cut out from this kind of movie and this narrative and just presented to you as a kind of surrealist art thing, it would be, you know, fine. It would be lauded and like, wow, look how good it is. And um, watching it with a critical eye now, I was genuinely amazed at the level of detail, particularly on Unicron, like in that opening scene, when you pay attention to it, it's like, wow, it's passing by him and everything is animated. Every last thing that's, not to uh, keep attacking them, but there's actual thought as to where the things that transform come from and where they fall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. As opposed to Michael Bay's, like I don't know, they're just <laughs> too, you know. they just come out of nowhere, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, where, where, did, where did that leg come from? I don't know. Nanoprobes <laughs> or something. Sure. Explosion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. I do honestly think the animation still looks really good. And yeah, I'm a fan, so I'm look. Obviously, I'm looking at it with rose-colored glasses a little. But to me, it's still a lot better quality than many things that have been put out there in the years since. Oh, God, it, it, it really does hold up. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I love the opening scene where we where we meet Daniel and uh, and Hot Rod for the first time when when they're fishing. I mean, it, it it's such a simple scene, yet it looks absolutely stunning. And then, of Can course, that's, that's the only scene where they remember the relative size of things, which is something that <laughs> the TV series and especially the movie forgets. I was genuinely taken aback because I was like the scene where Daniel goes, "Wow, look at the size of that fish!" and it's massive. And then Hot Rod, <laughs> yeah, it's a whopper, and it's naturally much smaller to him. And I'm like, "Things are the correct size." And there's a scene <laughs> later when Unicorn stands on a planet, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, forget it." Well, 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 that's what. Well, oh yeah, well, I mean, everything goes out the window when all the uh, all the Decepticons are, are being carried away inside. <laughs> yeah. Just form uh, the massive combiner inside this fucking Decepticon. That's it, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, dear. Yeah, when they go inside um, uh, the triple changer, uh, and, and Astro Train, yeah. sorry, yeah, but they're all inside Astro Train, and the combiners combine inside Astro Train. It's like, okay, so how big is Astro Train right now? You know? <laughs> not just, not just combine, <laughs> combine with, like, plenty of room, like, constantly combine, and there's, like, plenty of space around them. They're having a full-on fight in there. It's like, yeah, sure, because Astro Train was standing next them the same size but now he's suddenly like a hundred times the size. <laughs> must be the similar technology as megatron when he transforms into gun mode and shrinks to about 10 times his size uh, well exactly and in, in, in like with like rumble and, and frenzy and all those you know they shrink to tiny tiny size don't they so yeah <laughs> uh. yeah i mean let, let's be honest we, i mean we've had cartoons based on toy lines before and even some straight to video movies I, I remember going to a birthday party when i was quite young and they were showing care bears the movie Oh, <laughs> I don't think we we got anything. I don't think we had anything quite this big before this movie. I mean, it it, it well, might have well, been mastered critically and not earned much. I, will, I would but, like to say that, that, that there's been lots of you know movie adaptations of, of cartoon series, but every one of them to me looked like it was just an episode of the cartoon series. It didn't have that cinematic look or feel, and Transformers the movie just has that cinematic feel. It really yeah. does took their time, as you said. It took longer, it cost more. It was a specific thing separate from the TV well, show. Well, well, I mean, there we mentioned the <coughs> GoBots. <coughs> but, of course, GoBots <laughs> had their own movie when uh, the Rock Lords came out, Battle of the Rock Lords. And I must yeah. confess, I must confess, I went to see that at the cinema as well. <coughs> um, Never. <laughs> I, I, I mean, Hanna-Barbera animation, you know, was great, but it was just like a, a, a TV cartoon on the screen as you know and it just didn't have that same feel look and feel and transformers the movie just seems to i don't know lift itself up in the way it's presented it really does yeah i mean as i say it, it, it was lambasted critically and it didn't do well financially but it was a success for basically what's a giant toy commercial i mean it was such a success that toy companies ever since then they've never really stopped trying to emulate it to varying degrees i mean it's hard to imagine anything close to what we were given here. A movie, you know, with an adult plot, and I dare anyone to deny that, with scenes it's so emotional that every iteration since has tried the same plot device. Uh, and I'd also argue that this it's this movie that's responsible for making Prime such an icon. Oh, very I mean, much. It's got a fantastic soundtrack and a cast of voice actors so unbelievable that even now, to me, it's hard to process. I mean, I know someone treat the fact that you know, this is Austin Wells' last role as something of a joke. But to me, it's nothing to be ashamed of. I think, I think, no, it, it, Unicron is just one of the great sci fi characters, regardless of, of his origins. He's, you know, he, he's just awesome. And Austin yeah, Wells is awesome. So there you go. 
I, I, I personally put it in the same boat as um, Marlon Brando as Jarrell. Like it's oh, not a absolutely. huge role, and it's kind of a, you know they may have well took it for a paycheck, but they add so much gravitas to it that that's become iconic. So yeah, very I, much, I, very much. Yeah, I was going to say on this subject. I mean, if you know, we'll we'll stick with the acting for the moment. I mean, you know, is there anybody that stands out for you with regards to the uh, the voice the voice work? Uh, well, I mean, uh, Leonard Nimoy is Galvatron. I, 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 I know it's Leonard Nimoy and that, and I love him to bits. But he he really goes for it. You know, he really, you know, there's, there's not there's not many people that can say you know here's a hint like he does when he when he destroys <laughs> you know Starscream. So yeah. I love him. He's great. Yeah. And I'll piggyback off that and say that I, I was impressed at the time, and I am all the time now, that it's so... When you think how against type it is that Leonard Nimoy was playing like a villain, let alone the main villain, Absolutely. when everybody only knew him as like Spock, the emotionless hero guy. And That's then, it. Yep, yep. Um, yeah. Totally One agree. One of the voice actors says in the documentary, like, oh, with Leonard Nemo, you're getting a little bit of Spock. And I would push back against that and say, there's no Spock in here. This is like... No, no way, no way. Taking <laughs> lessons from Shatner on how to chew <laughs> the scenery. Unless it's Dark Mirror Universe Spock, you know, but yeah, yeah but no, it's, it's, it's definitely not, no. But he's great, though. He's a, he makes a fantastic villain, like I said, so, you know, out of his comfort zone, and yet he's thoroughly convincing, and yeah, very much. he's supposed to be the next form of Frank Welker, so you can't be so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, of course, Eric Idle's Red Gar. I mean, he's just oh. so, you know, he's legend. He's a legend, and he uh, it's only a short role, but, he, you know, you remember him. You really do. Love Rekka in terms of uh, I, I want that toy, man. <laughs> you talk some TV? I um, love his speech patterns, it just brings <laughs> a smile to my face every time he's in a scene. Bye, Kill the bye. grand bar. eliminate even the toughest. <laughs> <state. Thanks. laughs> yeah, wonderful. Yeah. I love it because I was just that nerd that talked TV, so I was like, Oh, it's God, yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think out of all the characters, the one character I was disappointed most in was how they did Wheelie, because I, I love Wheelie as as a toy, and a, a, he looked so cool, but the fact he was just a, a rhyming kid, it used to annoy me a little bit. my friends today. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> I do have to take issue with that. You like the toy? I mean, I bought the Wheelie toy after seeing the movie, and I'm like, <laughs> Well, that's true. Maybe I'm talking about the, the more recent version. <laughs> it could be worse. The Wheelie from Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. Oh my oh. god! Oh dear! Oh dear! The thing yeah. that randomly transforms and starts to hump Megan Fox's leg. <laughs> we are going ahead here, but with you know, we'll get to it with the writing. But I think a lot. I think the reason why a lot of this it just it, it never lets up. It just keeps going. There's never a dull moment, and you don't have to take entire sections out of the film just to try and get Shia LaBeouf laid. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's human characters in the film, but they actually remember that the title of the film is Transformers, so you're not spending a good 45 minutes wondering what flipping Josh Dumel and whatever are getting up to in the army, because I frankly couldn't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Going back to the voices, uh, what do you think to, you know, we spoke to him earlier, Blur. Well, you definitely remember him. You do. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, good. It's just a fun character, and I mean, I was I was always accused of, oh, you talk too fast, people can't understand you, so <laughs> as a kid, I was like, I think I found that guy relatable, and uh, yeah, obviously I knew him outside of Transformers as well, but 
Blur's just fun, isn't he? Really, he's just you know. He is definitely. He's a really endearing character, but but until I watched it today, I'd forgotten just how much is in it. And I mean, in this newer version, he's actually one of the headlining cast. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, he's kind of good as well. Yeah, yeah, he's you know he he he's the comedy, isn't he? He's 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 he he grounds it when it's getting a little bit too serious. When it's getting a little bit oh my god, all these people dying. He 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 lifts it a little bit, and you think, oh, okay, he's cool. I like him. Yeah, it's weird actually because I would say that him and Wheelie are a perfect example of when a kind of unique sort of thing works, and when it doesn't. So I think yes. like the whole talking too fast thing works really well, and it's fantastic, and it's always done well and written well. And then Wheelie's rhyming thing is like, e, you tried something here, but it didn't work. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> And what about the others? I mean, obviously you've got, you know, big hit. I mean, they were big hitters back then. You know, Judd Nelson as Hot Rod. Um, he was a member of the Brat Pack at that time. Absolutely. Yeah. No, yeah, he, he did a great he did a great job. And, and of course, the legend is Robert Stack as well as Ultra Magnus. He was, you know, he was getting on when he did that as well. And I thought he did a grand job. He had some um, authority to it. He gave a, a, a bit of gravitas, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I liked Ultra Magnus as well. I'm surprised watching a lot of the kind of promotion and stuff now on, because obviously the, it was all new to me. It was years later when I saw the movie. And I was surprised how much they were plugging, like, Ultra Magnus as the next big leader of the Autobots as a mislead. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. He's front and centre on the poster, and there's, like, a toy advert on the DVD where it's like, um, the new forces, here's Ultra Magnus. He's going to be the new Autobot leader. And uh, Oh, those adverts were everywhere. The new leaders, Galvatron and Ultra Magnus. You know, yeah. it really was a big thing. Absolutely, yeah. I remember that. And what a disappointment, like I said. And to, to be honest, I did get the toy. I did get the toy, and I thought, hey, this is just a different version of Optimus. Because, of course, his cab, the toy's cab, is Optimus. And yeah. I used to put... As a kid, I used to call it the ghost of Optimus is inside Ultra Magnus. That's what I used to call it. <laughs> well, the, the originally, the, I mean, it was kind of in the original script that when Prime died, when he turned grey, he was going to originally, supposedly, turn white and be incorporated, and into, be incorporated Ultra into Ultra Magnus. I, yeah, I, 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 yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, they, they definitely have come with the toy. Definitely. Mm. I'll get back to the, to the acting now and what about Lionel Stander? Do you, do either of you guys have any reminiscences about Lionel Stander outside of uh, Transformers the movie? And how, how do you think his portrayal of, of Cup? Oh God, yeah, of course. I mean, what well, heart to heart, you know. So you know, it was murder. <laughs> you cannot forget that voice, can you? He, uh, it, it's just something that stays with you, you know. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, I, I encourage anyone, if you have got the kind of the Blu-ray DVDs things, to look at the features, because there's some fantastic stories, especially about um, Lionel Stander. Uh, particularly Neil Ross does a great impression of him. And he's <laughs> this, uh, he says this story about how he had, like, he was obviously an old man by that point, but he had that, that sort of given the cool, like, distinctive voice and stuff. But he was like, he said he had selective um, hearing problems so that he could hear everything perfectly in the green room. But then the voice director, Wally Burr, would give him direction. Like, that was good, uh, but, you know, a bit louder, more intense. Something terrible's coming and give him this complex <laughs> And apparently, uh, Lionel Standard just turned to Neil Ross and went, what did he say? And Neil Ross went, he said, do it again, but louder. And he's like, what again, but louder? The cans are coming. And he's like, yeah, perfect, move on. He's like, so technically, I, I voice directed that one line in them. 
<laughs> I'd love to have been a, a robotic fly on the wall when all those recording sessions were going off, definitely. That would have been quite awesome, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember if it was him or somebody else as well where they were saying that, um, it might have been Robert Stack actually, they were saying that they couldn't act without turning and going off mic because they had to have something to act against, like they had to look something in the eyes. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they were saying that they, they kept on turning and going off mic and in the end, uh, I can't remember who it was. I think it might have even been Neil Ross again. Somebody didn't have any lines and were like, right, I'm sick of this. Walked and stood literally in front of his mic so that he had someone to act off to stare in the eyes. And, you know, we, we can't let the acting go by without talking about Frank Welker and Peter Cullen as, you know. Oh, both legends they are. Both legends that they are. I mean, their vocal talents are just uh, unsurpassed. They really are. Yeah. The first like time I learned that Frank Welker was like flipping, you know, Megatron. He was Fred from Scooby Doo. He's nibbling <laughs> Futurama. That guy is everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, I said, but Peter Cullen, Optimus, of course, Ironhide, uh, two of my favorites. So, yeah, fantastic. I think, uh, again, it's, this is something I'm not to keep popping on about, but there's something in the behind the scenes where they say killing off Optimus Prime, they obviously didn't realize what they had with Optimus Prime they do now but also they didn't realize what they had with Peter Cullen and like clearly they do now because he's been in all the like live action films oh yes as well like he is unmistakably the only Optimus Prime to a lot of people so he is I mean it was it was a pretty good you know gimmick they got him to do the voice for the live action movies as 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 as, as crap as they are sorry for that but yeah, um, yeah. I, mean, I, I don't love hearing him say things like I want your face <laughs> <laughs> but, you know <laughs> I'll kill you all. No, Prime, no. Calm <laughs> I'm sure there are lots of people out there, though, that do love the live-action Transformer movies. So there you go. But, yeah, okay. it was, if, it, if it wasn't for Peter, I don't think they'd be half as as good as they are. So there you go. I, I kind of, I, I mean, I, like I say, I like a couple of them well enough. I wouldn't say they were great, but yeah. Peter, Cullen, Peter Cullen's never been less than great in them. And he does, he adds so much gravitas to the, the fact, I come away from that first movie and forget 99% of the action and what costs as much. And I just remember like the Peter Cullen line at the end of like, my name is Optimus Prime and I call to any Autobots among the stars. We are here and we're waiting. And I was like, it's Why is that more impactful than anything else in the movie, you know? It's the integrity that's in his voice. He, he yeah, just and he gives the character such integrity as well. Like I said, he, he, he could be surrounded by, you know, the biggest pile of crap in the universe and you just look and listen to, to, to Optimus as he's talking. That's it. You know, the end. He sounds convincing and, uh, you know, giving you some kind of authority even when he's saying stuff like, we learned your language on the world wide web. <laughs> <laughs> the cube. The cube, exactly, yeah. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, now, you know, let's look at the writing and, and direction because, you know, obviously with with animation, it's more intrinsically linked to some extent than than a lot of the uh, the live action stuff. So mm. do you have any, any notes on the writing, anything that stands out to you, Mike? The first thing that stands out, and it's again, it's, it's partly because of when I came into it, so I didn't think it was an issue. I thought it was my issue, which is that none of the characters get an introduction. You're just kind of <laughs> supposed to assume that you know them. And I figured, like I said, because I watched the movie before any of the TV series and stuff, I was like, oh, I probably just missed their introduction. There'll be something. But no, I mean, just like in the series, they just appear, and it's like, oh, okay. So you're here now. 
But the movie I find quite egregious in the fact that it properly does act like you're supposed to really know them. And fair enough, it does at least develop them as characters and you get to know them in the course of the movie. But at the very start, I was just like, who, who are these people? <laughs> you, you, you're meant to have watched and read all the comics, watched all the cartoons to fully know what's going off. You know? But yeah I, get, yeah, I get where you're coming from, definitely. Yeah. I mean, not so much the old guys. Like I would recognise, like, oh, I know Optimus Prime and Ironhide and whatnot. And I, I've come, but then it's like, go to Autobot City and talk to kind of Hot Rod and... Oh, when they introduce the new characters. See, I didn't mind that. I don't know if it's because of my age necessarily, but I was pretty much the sucker for this toy line. So when I just saw them, I'm like, oh, who's he? You've got to buy him. I've got to go buy him. Got to go buy him. There's an Autobot family. <laughs> yeah. Yep, you were the perfect consumer. Oh, by the way, talking about that, just I may as well bring it up now. Um, you've kind of alluded to it, but they, they say in the behind the scenes that they, things were almost a lot worse than the whole death of Megatron thing because they said there was a scene that was scripted but ultimately cut where during the battle on Autobot City, they were just going to run a gauntlet and kill off the entire uh, 1984 oh. toy line. Ow! <laughs> <laughs> so so because <laughs> they're like, yeah, I mean, they did kill off a lot of them, but they're like, no, it would have literally been the entire thing because they wanted to do a big refresh and like nothing left on the shelves. Yeah, yeah. No from before, complete refresh. So it's like, like imagine if that had happened and it would just literally been like, do you know your, your toys? Literally every one of them gone. <laughs> yeah. It would be like the bloody animated version of Caligula. <laughs> <laughs> There's oil everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I do oh, like no. that a lot of reviewers still refer to this though as the Great Toy Massacre of 1986. Oh, that's, absolutely. that's literally a phrase that's in my conclusion, <laughs> which you'll hear when we get to it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think a lot of the standout moments for me in regards to the writing were the conversations between Bumblebee and Spike, the scenes with Bumblebee and Spike, because you you really got the impression that these guys were 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 best buddies. You know, they were they've been through a lot together and they were determined to stop Unicron no matter what. And, of course, with Daniel as well, Spike's son, some of those scenes were quite well done as well, I thought. It, it, yeah. gave, it, some, it gave it some humanity, definitely. Yeah. It was well, nice I, to see him. And it was also nice to see Jazz and Cliffjumper. And I'm, oh, you know, yes, yes. I know definitely. I might wish to rail about Bumblebee, but that, I do not like that scene in Bumblebee because I feel so bad for Cliffjumper. It's just a Bumblebee reap. <laughs> Color palette. No, no. <laughs> it took me years to track him down, and I, <laughs> I have him now. And no, I'm def I will defend Cliff Jumper and his, and his palette swap. So. Like me being devastated they killed off Scorpion and not Sub Zero. They're the same freaking thing. They just changed <laughs> the color. <laughs> Oh dear. <laughs> I was surprised because you can kind of pick up on this a little bit as you're watching, but it's also like mentioned a few times. I'm surprised at like the level of sort of things that they reference and that they base stuff on. Like the, they've said that the John the uh, Optimus Prime death is based on John Wayne's the Alamo. Uh, the writer says that was his kind of like traumatic moment yeah, in childhood, yeah. you know, his, yeah. his uh, coming of age story. And um You've got Tell Grimlock About Petro Rabbits, an Of Mice and Men <laughs> reference in a kid's movie. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. the thing I was going to be talking about. I love that. Really? Okay. I love the Go fact ahead, that, yeah. you know, they're referencing Steinbeck in this Transformers the movie. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I mean, uh, it goes without saying, obviously, it's pretty obvious, but one of the writers does say, yes, obviously, the kind of hot rod Rodimus Prime is just King Arthur story. It's not oh, yeah. unique or yeah. anything, but yeah. Definitely. It's always that thread that runs through it that's kind of that, that mystical, magical element to it, yeah. It's that hero's journey thing, isn't it? It's it hot is, rod is basically, much. you know, Luke Skywalker, King Arthur... Yeah, arise, Rodimus Prime. You know that that sequence where he just becomes Rodimus Prime and becomes twice as big. You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really let up. It just it just goes from one set piece to another. As I say, because you're not having to concentrate on human characters like you're doing the live action, it just gives more time for the actual Transformers themselves. But not only that, I think some of the I mean some of the dialogue you might look back at now and think it's a little cringy, especially when you know as you've mentioned it before with Wheelie. But when you do look at certain scenes. There's always something <laughs> It's funny. I mean, going back to the, the the rabbits, Grimlock's wanting to know about the rabbits, and Hot Rod says, you know, shouldn't we be concentrating on saving Cybertron and saving our friends? And Grimlock's, no, tell story. No, tell story, yeah. Yeah, that's and, a later yeah. scene, but yeah, it's like Grimlock know all about something. Or, <laughs> or we wipers. We want to hear good part. <laughs> worry about our friends. And then the auto combatants like, time out, time out. No, I'm going to bring this up because maybe you guys can answer this. I've never understood the whole Quintessons trial thing. Like, is it just supposed to literally just be the bad joke of the fact that they say innocent and then kill them anyway? Because <laughs> if it is, it just is a joke that doesn't work on me. It just went over my head. I'm like, what? I'll, I'll let Adrian answer this because I'm not as fluent in the law when it comes to the cartoon. Uh, well, I mean, uh, we we find out later on that the Quintessons, uh, you know, are, are partly responsible for for creating the Transformers yeah. in the animated series that followed the movie. Then they, they they carried that through, and I, I think it was just the the sheer arrogance of the Quintessons. You know, it's like you know we don't care. You know, it's it it kind of links things to that. They do seem so, to say that sadistic pleasure that when they pronounce them guilty and they drop, they're all just sat there laughing. It's well, like they, they exactly, don't pronounce yeah. them guilty though. That's the weird thing. It's like, oh well, are you guilty or innocent? Innocent, innocent, innocent. Oh, okay, kill it. Like, well, <laughs> what was the point in that? It's it's just a bad joke for me that doesn't it, quite work. It, it's so you can throw the robots into the pit and get to see the shark decons. That's what it was. <laughs> Although it does lead to one of the best lines in the movie, which is some fantastic dad joke punnage from uh, I think it's Hot Rod. When they go, you will be held in contempt of court. I have nothing but contempt, but contempt for this court. <laughs> that is nice. That is my favourite line. Yeah, nice. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the survivor from uh, from the, the beginning, isn't it? From uh, yeah, the from uh, yeah. Litho, yeah, 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 yeah. Chronics from Lithon, yeah. I, yeah, I also I, do like the the bit where the door comes down on the uh, the executioner and they oh, walk God, in. Yeah. And goes, excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Little moments like that are just so, like, it's the sort of thing that's missing from the, a lot of the modern blockbusters, but especially the Transformers movies. Like, what? There's no reason for Starscream to get his foot caught on the way out <laughs> and then have to blast it and be like, ah, their foot. But it's brilliant. It's just such a little it's moment great. of, like, humanizing annoying it. robots, you know? <laughs> it's just, oh, I love it. I love it. But um, no, maybe you can answer this then when it comes to the Quintessons, because this has always bugged me. Because I okay. did watch, like, I've, I've got season three and four. And yeah, yeah, it's cool that they. There's no indication, but yet, you know, they become super important. They created the species and whatever. But why is it that only some of them have five faces, and then some <laughs> of them look like the executioner? Where I'm like, well, what? <laughs> that I couldn't say. I'm afraid. No, I don't know. It's maybe it's, it's the you know the hierarchy of, of uh, 
the five faced ones are, are meant to be in charge, and the and the, the tentacled ones just do what they're supposed to be told. So there you go. What's <laughs> with the end? Because I'm like, you've got a name that implies five quintesson. Quintessons. Yeah. Yep. The episodes of the TV show introducing them, five faces of darkness. Five like, faces okay, of cool. darkness. Yeah. Yeah. I, yep. I, I can it, understand yep. these. You know, I get this race. I get what they are. And then all of a sudden, this one faced tentacle thing appears. <laughs> I'm a quintesson. I'm like, are you? It definitely <laughs> been. It definitely beats being two-faced, you know what I mean? <laughs> if, if there's anybody out there listening who knows the answer to this, please write in the comments. Oh, yeah, please do. Yeah, I'm sure there are there's plenty of people out there that probably know, definitely. I think they were more, they did go more in-depth in them in the comics as well. But um, by then I'd stop reading the comics, so there you go. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's be honest, though, this is a very weird version of 2005 where we have hoverboards <laughs> that are still using cassette tapes. All right. <laughs> well, I would rather that 2005 than the one we had. Just for that. It's like watching Back to the Future Part 2 these days you know, with regards to designs. How many people must out there must have feel gypped when they saw Ironhide and Ratchet on the cartoons and then looked? Oh, my God. The exactly that like they had in their possession. It was like, what? I remember when, almost breaking my ratchet trying to transform into <laughs> configuration. Well, that like I the, mean, the design was, you know, kind of cool and annoying at the same time because he, his head was on his seat behind the windscreen. And if they just made it so his head would just have popped up and it looked like the, the head in the cartoon, I'd have been happy, but it wasn't. I was like, what is this? You know, I was like, I don't like it. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. This is how Since... you have like multiple types of them all. <laughs> yeah. Like, the Voyager class. This is the Energon one. This is the. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Since then, I mean, I've, well, I've been collecting the old Gene ones, and you can buy heads for Ratchet and Ironhide. Yes, you can. To make you them can. look a little more like the cartoons. The okay. third party stuff that is out there is absolutely incredible. And in the more recent toy lines, Hasbro have, have taken a lot of hints from those designs and. Basically, a lot of the characters that they do now, I mean, they've gone through most of the original Gen 1 characters again, and the design work is far superior now, and they are basically mm. action figures when they transform. They look great. The, the, the euphemistic, you know? they've taken some hints. Yes, they've taken some <laughs> hints, because some of those early designs and some of the later designs by Hasbro were terrible when they dropped Takara designs and started to do their own. You know. I've got to ask, out of the G1s, what was your favourite? Oh wow! I, I've got. To, I'm. I'm sorry. I'm just going to go for it. The, the, it it's got to be Optimus. I remember when I got Optimus. Yeah. It was, you know, I remember it. Was, that was my. I was 15 then when I got Optimus, and it was like my last proper toy before I kind of stopped buying toys, and then started buying them again as an adult. But uh, <laughs> no, Optimus. I just loved him. I just. I just thought it was a fantastic toy. Really did. Yeah. What about you, Mike? Yeah, I'm just I'm equally basic bitch, and uh, we're off, we're off and fine. <laughs> the, the performance, it's the voice acting, it's the way that he transforms is so cool. I will say this, even though we couldn't necessarily afford that many toys, and I always used to favor other stuff over Transformers, I can't remember how I came into possession of this, but I got one of those things where you like fold the bits of card to make your own like action figure. Oh, and good, yeah. I yeah. spent so many hours constructing an Optimus Prime made of just folded bits of cardboard, which I kept for so many years because it looked, I was like, oh, this looks great. And I put so much effort into it and it's a brilliant. And uh, I threw it away recently ish because it just, it had gotten so tight. It, I mean, just it. It, it was just falling <laughs> apart. And it was like, I mean, cardboard isn't, isn't designed, <laughs> not even cardboard, but like cereal box card is not designed to last decades. No, so no, no. Gonna, no. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I probably should throw you away. I've actually got you know a couple of regular decent metal Optimus Primes now. <laughs> it's a, it's amazing though how how something you remember as a child, you know, just no matter what it's made of or what it comes from, just just stays with you. And you know that's the power of nostalgia, you know. Yeah. And yeah. A, a lot of that is is embedded and in, in, incorporated into the Transformers line, you know. So yeah. yeah. So. You know, obviously, we've we've taken a brief look at the animation, but is there anything that either of you guys want to say with regards to that? I have a few things I could bring up about the writing before we fully move off it, if you want. Yeah, go for it. Um, I, I really love the junkie on scenes I've kind of already mentioned because I just relate it to the whole TV thing. But <laughs> I fully admit they're probably superfluous to the plot in a lot of ways. It is just basically we can't quite get to Cybertron yet and we maybe need some more allies. But I don't care because I like it anyway. And it's quite clearly the kind of the point in the story where it's like this is the lowest point that the heroes have reached before the triumphant third act return. Yeah, uh, yeah, I get it. Because, yeah. Again, when you're not watching it as a child, you're like, wow, they really do just turn the, the chunky ons from like, oh, we're going to all be destroyed into heroes quite easily. I mean, the universal greetings, good. Don't get me wrong. But they were very like, oh, awesome. You're friends. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, cool. <laughs> yeah, you you just feel they'd have helped anybody if it had been the Decepticons that crash landed on Junk and Planet. They'd have helped them as well, you know. <laughs> but only once they gave them the universal greeting. Exactly. That yeah, that's it. It didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, related to the writing, this is. I, I have to shout out the um, again TF Wiki. If you haven't read it, just you'll get lost because there's a, a thousand continuities and you can be here forever. But the actual page on the Transformers the movie is hilarious because it mentions a lot about how it's inspired by Star Wars. And <laughs> on uh, on any of the kind of episodes or the descriptions or whatever on the wiki, whoever does the picture captions just makes jokes throughout them. So on Transformers the movie, instead in lieu of any jokes, anytime it like show you know shows on the side an image from the movie or whatever a picture, the caption is just dialogue from Star Wars. End of the shoot, fly boy. Don't be too proud of this technological terror and it's the creation of Galvatron, you know. <laughs> so it's hilarious. But I will say this this was the line that got me because they clearly love Transformers. They're running the wiki, but they're not afraid to call out some BS when they get to it. And I just love that the end of Transformers, the movie is described as thus. The scene then immediately shifts to the surface of Tri Cybertron, where, for unclear reasons, the Autobots seem to be in charge again. <laughs> cool. That's true. You know, it's, you know we, we, we all know the till all are one, you know, and it's like, okay, then. And, and then, of course, the, the next episode of the cartoon series, everyone's fighting each other again, you know, so... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but no, I like you've mentioned a lot of the other stuff. I was going uncrasomatic is a hilarious. There's so many good jokes and stuff. I kind of do dig. A bit, we're going to probably talk about it again when we come to Flash Gordon. But I do dig when they randomly throw in a swear word. So the whole like it's not even dented. Oh shit! What are we going to do now? <laughs> oh, now? I I remember when that first got put out there. Somebody put that on a loop, you know, and it would just go <laughs> and it would go round and round and round. You know? <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> There's a one moment of unintentional comedy that I really love as well. And it's more the delivery, I think, but it's like when one of the shuttles gets blasted off and they're in the other one and they say to uh, Ultra Magnus, Cup and Hot Rod just bought it. And just as flatly as you like, he just goes, I can't deal with that. Now. I can't deal yeah. with it now. <laughs> Heartless. All right, cool. Uh. Yeah. Oh, and the, the other joke that I love, which again, it, it's 
cheesy, but I love it when they, you know, it's a runner, so they're going throughout about like I'm sick of these war stories. Everything reminds you of something, and then, you know, to show the impact of uh, Unicron eating Cybertron. It's like, doesn't this remind you of something? No, I've never seen anything like this. Never seen anything like this, exactly. Yep. <laughs> He's speechless. <laughs> that's my that's my writing notes completed. If you want to move on to direction. <laughs> so yeah, uh, as I said, we touched on animation. Anything that stands out to you guys with uh, with regards to that? Uh, the, I, I, I think I mentioned the the opening scene with Daniel and and the fishing thing, and you know the when he when he finally gets going and and Daniel gets inside, the music starts and Daniel pushes his face up against the window as it's as it's coming towards Lookout Mountain. You know, I just yeah. it, it's just got some real power to it. You know, it really has. Yeah, I will say though to play, uh, you know, to, to not just give everything praise all the time. There are definitely animation errors. I mean, they they are rampant throughout the actual cartoon, but they're still oh, present absolutely. in the movie. Yeah, like, there are, yeah, there are a lot of instances of dead Transformers appearing at the end of the film. <laughs> just like they've animated the wrong one, or they've coloured it wrong, or something. Oh, you know, yeah. so, I, yeah. I, 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 I feel like that. Like Snarl keeps making an appearance and going. I'm here, but I'm not. I'm here, but I'm not. I'm here, but I'm not. I know, I know. I cannot still to this day tell you which ones get reformatted. I just like, all right, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to stop and pause and try and work it out. Well, Some of them are dead. A, that's been a massive <laughs> debate, hasn't it? That that uh, Starscream becomes like a Skywarp, so it becomes Cyclonus, and and Thundercracker becomes Scourge. You know, in the in the whole reformatting thing. You know, so and one I or two of the Insecticons are in there as well. They are. They are at the back, yeah. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. it's yeah. hard, and and. and, and you know, that scene where uh, the Dinobots first land and they're trying to attack Devastator, and Devastator wallops Sludge, and his eyeballs pop out all, like, <laughs> Looney Tunes style. Oh, God, yeah. I'm, that, I'm that. here for that. I'm happy anytime that happens in any <laughs> live-action movies. I'm here for that, man. <laughs> Again, wait till we get to Flash Gordon when it gets to the death of the uh, the guy with the mask. Oh, yeah. Awesome <laughs> when Crisis cops it. Yeah, oh, God, yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I know. I get. It. I, I know what you mean. I've noticed that happen in in various Japanese animated stuff over the years. <laughs> stuff that's meant to be really serious, and then all of a sudden you'll get something like that appear in the middle of it. And you're like, "What?" You know? Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love it, but it's just totally. It's, yeah. it's just out there. <laughs> it's totally wrong. We're talking about the Dinobots. They are just a, a living oh, joke. Come on. <laughs> it's not like it was one of the quote unquote serious robot toys. <laughs> uh, everybody loves the Dinobots. Bless them. Uh, I love Grimlock in this movie. I just love how he's, you know, he's just dumb. <laughs> That's um, his thing. Just dumber than normal. <laughs> But he's so innocent with it, and like you said, little moments like "sorry." He just I know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like, I like, like a bit of it and uh, the the plan. Me Grimlock, say execute them. <laughs> yeah, and then they all do just look at each other like they all look at each other. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the problem on this okay. planet got solved very quickly. All right, movie's almost over. <laughs> we needed to just turn them on. Whatever. But no, even when like when he gets the, the little kiss and he's all embarrassed, like, me Grimlock no kisser, me Grimlock king. <laughs> the character comes though, they're, they're they're really like unspoken heroes. They're just like so cool. And no, the toy was was very very hard to find. I don't yeah. even think he got released over here. And he, nope. he's he's become a bit of a you know a cult favorite, definitely. 
it took me far too long to realize that the Alicons aren't Sharktacons. They're a different thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you okay. can actually get a toy of those now as well. They're very cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I do like the decision that obviously was made just to be clear that Optimus turns grey to indicate that the soul has left his body, they said. But yeah. obviously it's clearly more like, you know, the kids have to know this guy's dead. <laughs> he's dead. Yeah, he's dead, dead. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, coming back even though he does. So though, yeah. on the subject of that, before I forget as well, this <laughs> the guys that made the show were like, um, we felt really bad when we realized like how successful Optimus was and how devastated everyone was. Not least because we'd already written the episode where he comes back as a zombie and we kill him again. <laughs> Oh god, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and that was just and that was just so they could introduce the power master toy later on. <laughs> so weird. So now, how good is that opening scene of Unicron eating the planet? It is stunning. It looks like oh, eating a lithone. Yeah. It is everything, everything's moving things. on there. It, it, all those little bits of whatever they are just getting sucked up there. It's just like everything's been animated, everything on screen. Love it. I, I, I think you're probably gonna say this, but uh, my one nitpick is we didn't need the Mouth chomp, so <laughs> chomp, yeah. chomp, chomp. No, I do think a big, a big seller of that opening scene is uh, Vince DiCola's yes. music. I yeah. think Vince that Cola, bless I mean, him. Yeah, you got the guy who scored Rocky Four, man. Of course, it's a miss. Yeah. <laughs> of course, it is. Yeah, it's <laughs> just to the soundtrack. You guys got any notes on the soundtrack? Oh, oh god, me past all my notes. I had direction notes and everything. <laughs> I just love it, the end, you know. So <laughs> I remember trying to get that soundtrack, couldn't find it anywhere. Eventually I had to get it on tape, and I just played that tape to death. It wasn't until many years later that I found it on CD, and uh, I'm still looking for a decent vinyl version, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's I, I had the vinyl and sold it. <laughs> Ouch! Yeah. I had the, con, the, the extended con soundtrack release and sold it. Oh, I know. <laughs> hey, no, I mean, when um, times must, my friend. When times must. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, I mean, come on. The touch, dare to be stupid. Oh God, dare. yeah. NRG, you know. Weird Al Yankovic, bless him. God on. Weird Al. <laughs> yeah, but uh, speaking of which, I did have to say this because this is kind of I probably should have mentioned it during the behind the scenes. If you didn't know this, uh, the touch was written by Stan Bush, but it wasn't written for this movie. It was written for Cobra, the Stallone movie. Yes, <laughs> and, yeah, but I heard that as well. Yes, yes. Which, when I first heard that, like yesterday, literally on the thing, I was like, hang on, the song with the line, The Mighty Hands of Steel, was not written for the <laughs> robot movie? <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, he didn't write Dare, as he makes pains to point out, that was written by Vince Diet Cola and, and someone else. <laughs> but I love it. I think I might even prefer Dare to the touch at times. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's some pr there's some pretty heavy rock stuff on there as well, you know, instruments yeah. of destruction, and you know, yeah, yeah Inspector General stuff on the Inspector uh, General the stuff, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, even the score, like you said, like the, the Death of Optimus is genuinely moving, like you know, sad music that you would get in like a soap opera type thing. And yeah, my iconic yeah. is like Unicron's. Like I said to you, DK, it's been stuck in my head all day. The Unicron's like, do 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 do. You get it there, and, and the Autobot battle sequence as well. That is really well done. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. So good, so good. And uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, because it's Transformers, obviously, it's got great sound design anyway. 
like the whole you know transforming it, sound and the robot noises and it, yes they do uh, recycle a lot of the sound effects from Star Wars so you can <laughs> uh, if you're an astute listener you can actually listen and hear like that's the lightsaber oh, that's lightsaber, the next absolutely, wing that's, yeah. <laughs> absolutely yeah, yeah yeah we love it all for it though I must admit <laughs> it makes you wonder though if if the soundtrack not being a good as good what the film would have been like you know so yeah. I think it's it's an integral part of it, definitely. They heavily promoted as, uh, as as based on that. On like I said, I watched all of the TV spots and trailers just because they're on the disc, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah." Every yeah. one of them is like the ultimate rock and roll adventure. And I'm like, <laughs> huh? Really leaning into this, and every one of them just starts with "You got the touch, <laughs> do, do, do. the ultimate rock and roll adventure coming soon." <laughs> yeah, they really they really pushed it like that in the, in the states, didn't they? Big time. They must have, yeah, clearly, yeah. I do think it's it. It is one of those classic '80s rock soundtracks that still holds up today. Oh, very much. It holds up. It's you know, it's obviously for people of you know our generation type thing. But it, it, again, like you used to get a lot of them back then in the '80s, Top Gun, that kind of thing. I, I, mm. I'd, I'd rank it alongside that kind of thing. Definitely, I still think it's very '80s, mind you. I wouldn't say it's not aged. It's it's the '80s in a nutshell. There's a reason why even Bumblebee, because it's set in the '80s, just uses the touch. <laughs> that's like shorthand. For, okay, it's the '80s. Got you. <laughs> you guys have any other notes with regards to the soundtrack? And if not, we'll go back to to Mike's notes on the direction. No, I think I've said it all. I think we're okay there. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Well, it's not there to be stupid. Go for it, Mike. <laughs> I don't really have that much. I just wanted to say that. Um, Credit as well in terms of direction, not just to Nelson Shin for the animation direction and stuff, but to Wally Burr for the voice direction. Uh, yeah, who did he did this and uh, Transformers yeah. and GI Joe and yeah, great performances that he manages to get, which uh, you know, not not coincidental, I'm sure. Um, I like that the movie makes us wait till we see Unicron transform into a robot, and I think it makes it so much more impactful like oh, when absolutely. that moment happens, when he just gets really peed off with Galvatron. And, uh, <laughs> again, the impact of, I was thinking of sparing your wretched planet, but now you'll witness its dismemberment as I apparently shrink and stand on the surface of it. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I love the touch. That, this is such a simple thing, but whoever thought of the idea, the genius idea that when he gets destroyed, his head survives and becomes a new moon. Was oh, God, yeah, cool. I love it. Like, love for it. the last shot of the film, I was like, that's genius. I love it. <laughs> and of course, um, I, plays a role later on as well in the, in the later series as well. So, yeah. yeah, does, cool, yeah. Um, related to the whole size change or anything, I don't quite get how Galvatron regularly fits inside of one of the sweeps, which are supposed <laughs> to be the same size, like he's piloting it. So I was again I, like, Ooh. Okay. Yeah, so that's always been a bit of an issue with the whole transforming thing. It, for me, it never really bothered me. You know, the size thing. It was, it was the oh, thought of alien technology that that they, they did this. But I remember recently seeing a guy who was actually on, on a on a on a toy channel, and he was doing a top ten of eighties toys, and he he had to put transformers in there. He said he, he personally didn't like them because he couldn't get the fact that uh, a toy that could transform from a truck and a toy that could transform from a gun could end up being the same size. Yeah. He, just, <laughs> he just didn't get it. Yeah. You know, it was something he never kind of latched I'm onto. I'm the same, man. I, just, I can't get my head around it, and it bugs me. I can, you know, I can <laughs> accept it and hand wave it away and still enjoy the cartoon and the movie, but it does yeah. bug me. I, my suspension of disbelief starts and ends with, okay, your trailer disappeared and then just comes back to you when you transform. <laughs> all right, I'll believe it, whatever. <laughs> well, that's it. Let, let's just all think about Astro Train, and there you go. <laughs> <laughs> 
exactly. Um, no, you've mentioned already that one of the Dinobots is missing throughout the movie, which is another thing that bugs me. Yes. There's five of them, not four. I know. <laughs> well, he's no. there in certain scenes and then just yeah, vanishes. Exactly. And then just vanishes, exactly, yeah. Yeah, very weird. Uh, Megatron actually using a lightsaber. Just uh, <laughs> whenever that happens, I just picture the scene from Jane Silent Bob Strike Back up like Jason Musgrove. George Lucas got to sue somebody. No, it's Chris Rock. So like, oh man, I was like, wow, I can't believe you actually. Well, exactly. And, and, and on the poster that was used in the UK and on the Video Gems yeah. one, he's actually holding the lightsaber in his hand on the poster as he's facing up with Prime. It's there. Oh yeah, yeah. It looks very Star Warsy that poster. Anyway, but uh, it very does. It does yes. Yeah. The last note that I haven't mentioned was just that I really like the unique um, sci-fi design of the corkscrew spaceship. Oh, good, again, yeah. It doesn't have to look like that, but it's just a cool little touch that it, somebody thought about it and was like, oh, okay, cool. I do like yeah, that they the animated it as, as turning as well. Yeah. It's been yeah like the, a corkscrew. the design work in the film is stunning. I think in, in all areas, I like, like you said, especially inside Unicron, it is literally like surreal art. Yeah. Mm. Very good. Awesome. Nice one. Uh, anything else that either of you guys like to add that you think we've not touched upon? No, I'm going to shut up now. I've talked. Enough. I was going to say we could go on. We could go on all night, or week, or month. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> this is turning into one of those top ten length things. Uh, so yeah, I mean, nice discussion. Uh, I've got to say, as a well, not young man, I don't get many opportunities <laughs> to discuss this film with like-minded individuals. So uh, cheers for that, fellas. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. So with that. It's now time once again to go to our roundup of our personal standouts from the movie with our favourite section. Okay. Awesome. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so, so this is the part where we take a look at what personally makes us tick when it comes to viewing this thing by giving our favourite character, line and scene. And as is custom, we'll start with our newest guest, which is Adrian. So uh, tell us, if you could, give us who you consider your favourite character in the movie and why. Wow. There are so many to choose from. Um, for, for me, again, it's, it's an obvious one. It's, it's Hot Rod. I, I just I just love Hot Rod. You know, he, he's full on. He's energetic. He's, he's young. He's brash. He's, uh, he wants to prove himself. Um, I just... I could just kind of, you know, relate to him at the time, you know, and um, yeah. And he's not <laughs> arrogant and French like in some of the movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God>. Ooh. <laughs> although, <sighs> although my favourite scene in the movie is actually one where he's not in it. It's the, I think I mentioned before, it's the one where Megatron and the Decepticons, you know, blast into the shuttle and basically wipe out all my, you know, childhood heroes. Um, That's your favourite scene. It is. It is. It's just. It's just so painful to watch, you know. But yeah, and of course that wonderful line that Megron says, "Such heroic nonsense," as you know, as I and I tries to claw his way towards him, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, that's my favourite scene. So on the subject of Hot Rod, though, it's always bugged me that they didn't put more effort into his name when he transforms Rodimus Prime. Really, <laughs> <laughs> it's not like when Optimus Prime transformed from Orion Pax, he suddenly became Orionus Paxican or something. Oh, you know? oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I must admit that's when I stopped liking him. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, then, Rodimus Mike. Prime is a porn star name and a half, like to be fair. <laughs> Go on, then, Mike. Who's your favourite character? Okay, I will pre preface this by saying favorite doesn't necessarily mean like relatable or that you like or agree with them. But my favorite character in the movie is Unicron, actually. Hey! Um, <laughs> and I will say it's because 
even though I, as I say I didn't really watch Transformers as a youngster, I was still, you know, prepubescent when I first saw the movie. So it predates my experience with like Galactus or any of that kind of stuff. So of to course. me, the concept of like this giant planet eating thing was so unique and so cool. And yes, I now realize, you know, it was several decades before that Stanley and Jack Kirby came up with something similar. And yes, as I mentioned, Transformers Wiki does have a picture of Unicron with a lovely caption. Galactus keeps ignoring his cease and desist letters. <laughs> <laughs> but still, yeah, imagine as a kid, like your imagination's running wild and then you get something presented to you that weird. And like I said, because the movie was, you know, I didn't really know anything about it, so I was watching it introduced to these characters. Seeing this massive planet thing with Orson Welles' voice was already like gravitas and impact. And then seeing it transform, can you can you imagine how 12 or 11-year-old Mike felt when he saw this giant planet transform into a giant freaking robot? <laughs> I was on the ceiling. I was like, no, it doesn't actually transform, does it? <laughs> what? <laughs> it is a quite cool transformation because he takes his time about it as well, like he's showing yep. off. Like, yeah, here we go. Here's my hand. Here's my leg. Yeah. You know, yeah. I like that though. I wish that Michael Bay movies did that, but like I said, they can't because there's no thought oh, given to oh, how they transform and what bits go where. But I love that. I, I could sit and it's like me and DK when it comes to the kind of flyover of the Enterprise in Star Trek: The Motion Picture. I could just watch oh, them transforming absolutely. for a slow like twenty minutes, <laughs> see what goes where, and be like, oh, it's so cool, awesome. <laughs> On on this, I'm gonna have to go with Adrian and say mine's hot rod. Hey. Fair enough. I mean, he was he was yeah. I mean, he was set up as the you know the hero type character, but on this viewing, to me, it works. Is it is accessible and he is included in many of the movies' emotional beats. Uh, it may not work outside of the movie in later seasons. Yeah, but yeah, it loses a bit. Bless him. Yeah, he's got a decent character arc in this, and while these days I'm probably more identified with Cup. I'm uh, I'm sure <laughs> old timer. Really that's something you'll old never be. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. This this podcast is just turning into a, just an hour of bad impressions, <laughs> as per <laughs> usual. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we've had uh, we've had Adrian's sicko favorite scene, Mike. So what's your <laughs> I love my death. Favorite, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite scene, and again, it's you know, it's sorry, it's very basic bitch, but my favorite scene just for sheer impact still is uh, Hot Rod opening the Matrix. Oh god, that yeah, absolutely. Um, now, now light our darkest hour arise, Rodimus Prime. It just works, and you couple that with the usage of the touch and the way that it sort of chimes in when it does. Yeah, it gets me. It got me at the time, like oh, awesome, and it does now. <laughs> you know, in much the same way as you know, it, I, I still cheer and I'm on the ceiling every time Rocky knocks out Ivan Drago. You know. <laughs> Oh, it's, that kind of, you know, it's that kind of like, yeah, punch the air moment that I just love when it comes to these movies. Yeah, it's a classic 80s moment, definitely. Yeah. Nice one. It might be kind of cheating, but I'm going to go with that entire first attack on Autobot City. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I From get the it. Yeah. Being right up until the deal between Prime and Megatron. I just, it don't let up. And to, even, I've seen it so many times over the years. And, I'm, you know, I'm a grown, well, not necessarily grown, but I'm an adult now. And uh, it still keeps me on the edge of my seat. There was, there was one thing in that in that scene, though, that always used to bug me, is when they're trying to shove that massive cannon in place and the damn thing's got treads on. Why don't you get on the damn thing and drive it? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, I but mean, it's a cool why... scene. It's a cool scene. <laughs> There's loads of moments like that, because, like, why did Daniel, who clearly had his arms free, rely on, like, a... Uh... No, why did Spike rely on Daniel to like close the acid cover instead of just shooting it himself? <laughs> Son, I want you to learn this lesson about responsibility. You do it. 
Nigel Robinson, yeah, Fred, you should No, you I'm do. I'm still it. thinking of what happened to all the Autobots on that conveyor belt past those. Oh, those yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're dead. Oh, <laughs> they're they're really they're just saying, oh, close the other cover. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Although it it, it was uh, a surprise to see um, Windcharger get to, you know, he, I think it's RC that pulls him out to one side. And he's saying, oh, my God, that's Windcharger. He's gone as well. Oh, no. You guys get yeah. so much deeper than me. I've got no idea who half of He lays in next to Wheeljack as well, and you just think, oh, God. Yes, I know. <laughs> so, yeah, favourite line, Adrian. What's your favourite line out of the movie? Favourite line has got to be, I've said it before, Leonard Nimoy, you know. Is that you? Here's a hint. I just love it. I love it. Nice. And the, and the way that, that Starscream comes to an end is fantastic. Yeah. Coronation Starscream. This is bad comedy. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, it's death again, isn't it? I'm sorry, I'm obsessed. <laughs> yeah. I'm not seeing a theme here. Did you say his name was again? Galvatron. <laughs> hey, you Galvatron. <laughs> What about you, Mike? What's your favourite line? I've quoted so many that I could have picked. So just like any of those, basically take your pick. But I have two answers here. One, you know, comedy answer, which is... Damn it! Oh, shit! What are we going to do now? Serious answer. Now. Now, light our darkest hour. I'm going to have to go with the... Uh... The contempt of this court. I have nothing but contempt for this court. So now we've got those little snippets into our thought processes. It's time to go over to audience participation. Nice one. And and honestly, wow, this week was something else. I don't think we've ever had such a response. Uh, Only because you were in the G1 group, because I got nothing whatsoever, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, but, <laughs> mate, I've posted in groups before and we've had not nowhere near this. I mean, we were blown away by the comments on this. So I do apologize if we don't get to read out yours. But there was just so much this time. And quite honestly, it was amazing to see such a reaction. We love to see so many people out there getting excited to discuss the movie. We are so humbly grateful for every single piece of communication we received. And we did read them all. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, kudos for taking the time out to get involved. I do want to give a special shout out this week to the aforementioned group. That's the people in the Transformers G1 fan group over on Facebook for some excellent responses. Thank you, everyone. And if you like some of what you hear in this section, I urge you go over, check out the discussion in that group for more of what people were saying. Now, Mike will read out some of what he received in just a moment. But if you're listening in and didn't know how to leave feedback, have no fear. You can always contact us about the show either in the comments section or on social media and tell us what you think. Agree, disagree, have a suggestion for the show in general. Let us know, you know, not, not so much, many impressions. We do read all your feedback. But for now, over to my, my beautiful assistant, Micatron. Beautiful. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> me, me, Mike, not beautiful. Me, King. <laughs> right um yeah apologies to some of the people that left longer feedback i did read it and appreciated it but it's just going to be too long to read out uh, and that had some of the hottest takes unfortunately but you know i uh, i've cultivated as much as i possibly could from that group and again apologies if i mispronounce or butcher anybody's name um ian scone first of all just gives a two-word feedback awesome soundtrack can't disagree um fion geddes says i was underwhelmed it started off as one thing and then kind of turned into something else unexpectedly Ooh. Contender for hot take or what? I think. Yeah, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure what he means. But I'll have to get him to elaborate on that if I can, because that yeah, threw me. Yeah. 
Definitely. Uh, Rick Grayson says, I didn't watch this movie until many years later from the time it came out. Same. Uh, but as soon as I did, Rodimus became my favorite character, and I actually prefer him to Optimus Prime. Oof, contender for the hot take award again. Ooh. Also, Unicron is so awesome, and Galvatron is voiced by Leonard Nimoy. Vulcan salute emoji. Good man. <laughs> I'll, I'll forgive your hot take for that. <laughs> uh, Rick Cowling says, it's way better than the live-action ones. Smiley emoji. And it's got Eric Idle and Orson Welles, too. Again, can't uh, disagree with that. Andrew Haunt says, in a nutshell, it's iconic, but it was woefully misjudged, and the mass slaughter of fan-favorite characters killed interest in the franchise. Yeah, the franchise that's still running now, Andrew? I don't <laughs> quite know what you're getting to with that, but okay. Um, Steve Lysett says, genuinely one of my fave movies. I think I own three copies on DVD, including one where they didn't color in the edges. Quite the, oh, soundtrack, yeah. worth... <laughs> <laughs> quite the soundtrack worth tracking down Chris Hulesbeck's Vince DiCola remix. Vince DiCola. Um, Whilst I remember, by the way, if you have a widescreen copy of this, even though it was advertised as being widescreen action, it was never filmed that way. So if you have nope. a widescreen copy, it cuts off half the image. <laughs> the <laughs> full screen is actually the best version of the, of the movie. Stick uh, with like, the VHS Video Gems version. <laughs> <laughs> I love even the like the 4K that I've got on the Blu-ray disc. It says Blu-ray full screen, like it has to specify. <laughs> Just in case you didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Christopher Pulliam says the part where the touch begins playing and you hear Optimus's voice saying Arise Rodimus Prime always gives me chills. Clearly, I agree. Uh, Sean Lothar says, what a name. It's nonstop action from start to finish with just enough dialogue to move the story along with touching moments like Prime's death, Daniel's reunion with Spike and Rodimus's redemption. I wouldn't say he has to redeem himself for much, but okay. Uh, Dave Hodge simply says movie was, is and will forever be. And then all capitals. Epic. <laughs> uh, Ollie G says I love the movie, the narrative, the soundtrack and the animation standards I actually don't begrudge them outing the old to see in the new but it's the way they did it, too rushed and with little respect, we'd spent two years buying into the idea that characters like Braun and Ironhide were nigh on indestructible only to be taken out with a single shot apiece at least write them a fitting farewell, it felt like it was set in an alternate universe where the rules of death apply differently I, feel I kind of do agree with him, yeah, I kind of do agree with all that because it is kind of funny how once, if you watch the cartoon and then the movie in between as it's placed, it is weird that you know suddenly people are taking one shots and dying, and then in the cartoon they're taking like five they're or six hits. Like, exactly. oh, I'm gonna need to slightly buff out a dent that you made. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> and Will Jack rebuilds them very quickly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Nathaniel F. Feeney says, I could give you some uh, good insight. One of my favorite movies. Lots of people don't get what Optimus Prime was to us later Gen Xs. I think absolutely. Joey Yachiha says, there's only two things in this movie that got my hair to stick up back as I was a kid watching. Number one, instruments of destruction, rock music coming on. I mean, just think of it. At age probably seven or eight, loving rock as much as I do today. I wasn't <laughs> a smart kid back then. Uh, don't pay attention to end credits to who plays the song. Thanks for today's tech. Nearly 30 years, I finally know who sang the song and the rock band. So I watch on YouTube and watch the movie all over again. And number two, Arise Rodimus Prime in Peter Cullen's voice. F apostrophe F at you know swear <laughs> that got me emotional from day one still today as well love the movie <laughs> Liam Dean Berent simply says best film ever made calm down uh, Derek Wilson says my thoughts on Transformers the movie though I was born in 1980 and saw the film multiple times growing up there's one viewing in particular that stands out 
September 2021, Fathom Events screened the movie in a very limited re-release for the 35th anniversary. I got to share this experience with my nine-year-old daughter, my 19-year-old son, my 30-something-year-old friend, and his six-year-old son. I got to share this awesome piece of my childhood with friends and loved ones born across all three of the decades since the initial premiere. We had a blast. Very nice. Love it. I love hearing stories like that. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Thanks for, for that, Derek. Uh, James C. Hamilton says, it could a 10-year-old me, but it's still the best Transformers movie. Well, Bumblebee exists, but okay. Uh, William <laughs> Bowser says, best Transformers movie. Again, Bumblebee exists. Best Transformers movie, period. <laughs> I was shocked to see so many characters killed off so early in the film and the death of Optimus hit hard. Even watching again today, it still gets me, but by the time the movie ended, I was a fan of all the new characters. Hot Rod is still one of my all-time favorites. Yay. <laughs> Bobby Stewart Beath says, I watched when it first came to theatres in 86, cried at the death of Optimus Prime. I was 10 years old. Got the VHS tape back in 192. I was 16 and got teary-eyed then. I love the movie. <laughs> I just wish the animation was on par. You only saw four Dinobots. You've been all five. Didn't like how four Autobots couldn't hit the whole army of Decepticons in the open space. <laughs> but yet the Decepticons got 100% shot on target. But at the end of the day, I loved it. Would I love to see a remake? Yes and no. Yes to see better animation, but no, because I'd be afraid they would mess it up. I think we've probably got lots of evidence they would. But oh, never yeah. mind. Um, Greg Piverger says, I was eight when I hit theaters and it hurt me to see Optimus die, but Megatron has always been my dog. So, of course, when he got changed to Galvatron, it was pretty dope for me. Loved the movie. <laughs> <sighs> Just a few more here. Let's go. Uh, Stephen Conroy says, Simply the single greatest movie of all time. Matt Rosansk says, It's always hard to watch the death of Optimus. He's my favorite character. Uh, Eduardo Hills says there's many things to talk about, but some of them are Daniel as Spike's Daniel as Spike's son, Daniel's hoverboard, Blur talking fast, Springer and RC as a couple, Shuttle Ambush, <laughs> Prowl's face made you want to look away, but you couldn't, Starscream's foot, etc., etc., etc. And he also, uh, sorry, Daniel Stavely says, and this is probably going to be the winner of uh, the Hot Take Award. Here's something for you. The movie gave us the moment we'd all been waiting et an eternity for where Megatron finally beats Optimus Prime because he did. You all need to accept it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, calm down, Daniel. But uh, yeah, so I go. still blame Hot Rod. <laughs> <laughs> thank you to everybody who got in touch it's very much appreciated and it's nice to have so many new people get involved so thank you uh yeah and without further ado we heard what you think now it's time for us to round this episode up with our conclusions and we'll start off with our guest this week so ado magnus if you'd like to give us your final thoughts on the movie and your score out of five please okay well definitely one of the most iconic animated films of the 80s um it, it, i think a lot of people have this you either love it or you hate it some people love it some people hate it um i'm pretty much a lover um and forgive me for this but i'm gonna have to give it a five Ooh. Okay. I praise indeed. And what about you, Mike? Okay, sorry for the long-winded conclusion, but you know me. I always like to be pompous. Like <laughs> so, we, like, we like waffling, mate. Accept yeah. it. I have lots of thoughts. This film, you know, I've watched it a lot, and I think it, it improves every time for me. But anyway, uh, I'll say, look, there's no denying the fact put forward at the time that this was the Great Toy Massacre of 1986, a cynical corporate excuse to refresh the Transformers product line and get kids to buy whole new toys. But that said, with Bumblebee accepted, this is easily the best Transformers movie. It's baffling that it can do more than Michael Bay and co can manage with a fraction of the time and money. <laughs> but it's true, the characters are well-developed, charming, relatable, and fun. Battle scenes have weight because, okay, it's animation, but we can follow the action. Everything is clear. It doesn't look like two junkyards having rough sex during an earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'll let that settle in. Uh, more importantly, we care what happens to these characters. They aren't just faceless robots, a fact that the powers that be learn from the response to Optimus Prime's death. And there's that too, a defining moment for a generation of youngsters that really matters. It's the obvious legacy of this film, yet there's so much more that's also become iconic and pervaded pop culture and Transformers lore. From the now cliche dialogue to Unicron, the matrix of leadership, and the rock soundtrack that deserves its own place in the Hall of Fame. I can't ignore the sizing and animation errors, but likewise, the effort that's gone into the animation is incredible and deserves to be recognized and lauded. The voice talent, are as good, uh, voice talent are as good as always in the case of the regulars, with the use of stars groundbreaking at the time, adding even more gravitas and impact. The writing is sharp, often clever, and rises above that bloodthirsty corporate mandate. Perhaps we're a little biased because we're children of the 80s with this film practically <laughs> burned into our DNA, but it's enjoyable, infinitely rewatchable, quotable, fun, and I love it. It's definitely got the touch. Uh, I give it four and a half or 4.5 out of Ooh. five. <laughs> oh, nice. Right. I'll, uh, I'll get, again, like Mike, I waffle a bit, so forgive me you for that. You waffle away, my friend. You waffle away. <laughs> okay, so this movie blew me away when I first saw it. I was such a fan of the toy line, and while I was addicted to the comic, the cartoon always felt a little lightweight to me. So to see these characters not only get hurt but die was a revelation. Characters dying in a kid's cartoon. I lauded it back then as the movie makers taking risks. My child's mind not yet aware of the cynical aspect of Hasbro just trying to sell newer toys. Setting the motonal aspects of the movie aside, however, it's just great fun. And while it still makes me emotional to see, for want of a better term, my friends die, it makes sense within the context of the narrative. It's exciting, it's thrilling, and it doesn't let up for a single moment from beginning to end. So much so that even all these years later, it still seems to go by in the blink of an eye. The cast, many of whom are sadly no longer with us, are pitch perfect, and I still think Orson Welles did in no way shame himself being part of this thing. And I will die on that hill. It's <laughs> colourful, it's edge of your seat, and while it's not perfect, the animation is slightly starting to show its age and there are a few continuity blips. To my mind, it still looks a great deal better and a lot more rewatchable than many animated movies since. And that soundtrack... Though quintessentially 80s, it seems timeless to me and can easily hold its own alongside other rock soundtracks from the era such as Top Gun and Rocky IV. The litmus test of the movie, though, did it make me want to buy more Transformers toys? You can bet your ass it did. <laughs> it does, as watching it earlier made me want to complete my G1 collection. But regardless of this, the movie is just a blast and to my mind is more interesting than any of the live-action movies that followed it. Yes, Bumblebee exists. Being entirely objective here, because <laughs> yes, it takes me back to my childhood. But at the end of the day, don't we always bring our experiences to the table, no matter what movie we're watching? Transformers the movie remains to me just an absolute pleasure to watch, and I've also given it four and a half. Ooh, you surprised me! I was expecting you to go with the full five. So oh uh, no! So working out average, it's four point six recurring total for that one. Fantastic. I have a possible yeah. five. I don't think that's a bad score. Not bad at all. And a bunch of sixes. So, yeah, I mean, that's on par, I would say, with Johnny Darko, more or less, from uh, from last week. Does that give it... Yeah, does that, is that, does that take it to the same same level as Darko? I don't think it's quite up there, because we had four people on Darko, and I think that was a little higher, if I'm remembering correctly, but it's very close. It's like most 80s films. Despite all the death and destruction in there, I'm sorry, I had to say that, but uh, despite all the death and destruction in there and, and, and the fact that it looks like there's no hope, there always is. There's no, always no, no hope. No hope at all. No hope at all, exactly. 
But, I, uh, uh, I have to share a little story that I learned from the Transformers wiki as well in terms of like how iconic some of the moments from this film became. Because uh, we all know, like you said, Optimus Prime dies and is resurrected. But like the dialogue is all, you know, quoted in a thousand other sources. And oh, apparently, yeah. and I, I couldn't tell you where it is, but apparently there's one version of the Transformers, like a spin-off, where Optimus Prime fights Megatron. And Megatron apparently says, one shall stand, one shall fall. And Optimus Prime replies, no cliches, Megatron, and just punches him. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. <laughs> yeah, so with that, that's our final score. And uh, once again, yeah, that's it from us this episode. As usual, all that's left to do is to thank my guests for joining me today. So as has become the norm, thank you, Mike. Uh, you're very welcome. Thank you for letting me talk about this movie that I love and uh, enjoy every time a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> Always a pleasure. Anything that you wanted to promote while you're here, buddy? Any Anywhere listeners can find you? Anything that you want to draw attention to? Yeah, well, first of all, you can always find uh, links to all of our social medias and stuff in the description. You can, uh, you know, talk to us. We're, we're very happy to have you talk any of the films we discuss, especially Transformers. Uh, and always, you're welcome to leave feedback uh, on, on all the places DK already mentioned. But I did want to draw attention to a particular thing that's uh, come up, which I have posted on uh, social media and on our YouTube uh, kind of little feed thing. Uh, one of my local cinemas, the Tyneside Cinema, is currently facing closure. Uh, it's a cinema that I love. It's meant so much to me over the, the years, and it would be devastating if that happens. But, you know, because of COVID uh, and, you know, the, the, <laughs> the way uh, people haven't returned streaming. to, uh, yeah, streaming and everything, uh, people just aren't turning up in the way they should. So the cinema has to raise basically £150,000 in six months. Ouch. Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> So naturally, they are going to need help to do that. And uh, they have launched a Just Giving page where you can donate if you're able to. Anything would be greatly appreciated. Any generosity you can give. If not, please, please help me spread the word. We are a film podcast. If we can't help, you know, not just the cinema, but one that's meant so much to me, uh, it would be a kind of bad state of affairs. So if you can't, you know, spare any money or anything, please uh, do look for ways to share the campaign, which I'll link in the description and use the hashtag love Tyneside cinema just on social media in general. And uh, yeah, I'll share the just giving page and the what uh, about page on the uh, episode's description. Please do check it out. And while you're there, have a look around the Tyneside cinema website. It really is. It's a gorgeous place with a fantastic history that you could do a lot worse than to uh, just look into for, you know, entertainment reasons. <laughs> so yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Nice one, nice one. We'll definitely do that. Get the description in. Uh, get the link in the description, please. Everyone, check that out. Uh, anything else, or is is that pretty much everything? No, that's that's it from me. <laughs> nice one. Uh, so yeah, also a huge thank you to Adrian for joining us for the first time here today. Has it been, fella? It's been an honour and a privilege. Um, I must admit, I've really enjoyed it. And I, I, again, thanks, guys, for letting me become part of this. And let me talk about something that is very special to me, just like it's to a lot of people out there. So, yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> so you heard it here first, folks. Silver Screen Podcast isn't just educational, it's fun. So uh, remember, if you'd like to join as a guest sometime, then don't hesitate to drop us a link, either in the comments section or social media or emailing the show. Once again, links in the description. Also, if you've got a suggestion of a movie you'd like to see covered, please get in touch because, frankly, I do not want to watch Lady in America and we'll see what we can do. Uh, <laughs> okay, I have also... a couple of votes for something different now, so it's looking like that's been replaced oh, with another God. movie. <laughs> also, when I'm Kofi, <laughs> is it Kofi or Kofi, Mike? 
uh, I think it's coffee because it's like buy me a coffee. Right. <laughs> we're now yeah, coffee. the coffee now. <laughs> we're now on coffee, so any help you can give us to fund the show, it would be great, greatly appreciated. It does, you know, it does cost us money to. Well, it costs my money. No, nothing. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. But uh, yeah, it does cost money to produce this. So if you did enjoy it, please, you know, and you're so inclined, please contribute to our coffee. We we do appreciate it. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to know what we've got coming up. Our next episode sticks with the animated vibe, uh, and we'll be ha- I'll be handing the matrix of leadership back to Mike. We'll be joined by a regular superhero fanatic, Toby, as they take a look at the animated DC movie, The Flashpoint Paradox, as well as the Flashpoint storyline from CW's The Flash. Just in well, time, one episode, we're not dealing with the whole story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just in time for a certain movie dropping in cinemas this summer. Ooh, and on the, uh, mm, and on the cool nuts. Side of We'll hopefully be back in a month or two as I'm scheduled to be joined once again by Mike, a newcomer Rune, as we discuss, and I know Mike's looking forward to this one, a certain sci-fi movie from way back in 1980. Yes! You'll have to dispatch War Rocket Ajax to bring back my body. Oh! <laughs> Gordon's alive! So until then, uh, thank you everyone for joining us today. Don't forget uh, to like, subscribe, and we'll see you next time. And until then... Until that day, till all are one. (laughs) There you go. Playing us out. (laughs) Get your head banging. been listening to the silver screen podcast hosted by michael wilson and dk created produced and edited by michael wilson behind the scenes sections and additional material produced by dk music by timeless journey more information can be found at soundcloud.com forward slash timeless journey Follow the podcast on Instagram at Silver Screen Podcast or look for the Silver Screen Podcast under Facebook groups. Links to all our social media accounts and more are in this episode's description. This podcast is available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Just look for Silver Screen, Hit or Miss Star Trek. This has been a Mike's Podcast Production, copyright 2022. Thank you for listening.